Welcome to the Business and Personal Development Podcast with Chris Haroon, where you'll find tips on how to take your career to the next level. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to our 171st weekly webcast. Now, if this is the first time you're joining us, welcome. If you've been with us before, welcome back. And so the way the call works is this is a three-hour AMA, similar to on Reddit, meaning AMA is ask me anything. You can ask me business questions, career questions, personal questions, any questions you want to, so I can humbly do my best to help you take your career or company to the next level. Now, before we started today, I showed you a trailer uh, from an exciting interview that we're going to publish tomorrow uh, on our YouTube channel at 9 a.m. Pacific time. And we interviewed uh, the uh, the Chipotle of Middle Eastern food. The CEO of Chipotle of Middle Eastern food is a guy named uh, um, uh, Zaid Ayoub. He's a buddy of mine as well. Um, and so he, his company is called Saj Mediterranean. It's here in the Bay Area. He's got tons of locations. He's spreading very quickly. Uh, and as I mentioned in that quick little trailer, um, uh, the Silicon Valley Business Journal uh, mentioned his company along with 40 others in Zoom as one of the fastest growing companies here in the Bay Area uh, back in 2019. So I'm excited to have Zaid uh, interviewing with us and we're gonna learn from him uh, all about uh, his many accomplishments and challenges as well when it comes to starting a company, uh, starting a restaurant company. Uh, Now, Zaid used to work uh, in the semiconductor industry and that's what makes him fascinating because he worked at National Semiconductor for years back in the 90s. Then he quit and he started his own semiconductor company that he sold to a very big publicly traded chip company. Then a couple of years later, Zaid bought that company back from that publicly traded company. He took it private, did a private equity deal. And then he sold it again for even a bigger profit to another semiconductor company. And so I'm really excited to be able to uh, interview Zaid Ayub again. Uh, that will drop uh, tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, thank you, Zaid, for letting us interview you in my kitchen at home. And also thank you uh, to Matt Lacoos, my chief creative officer uh, and partner here in my company for doing a great job uh, editing that and filming that as well. All right, let's get started here. Okay, so first up, uh, I've got uh, Abel uh, who wrote, uh, hello, Chris, I hope you enjoyed your 50th birthday. I'm getting old, man. Um, it, and I wish you many more years. Thank you. Uh, I emailed you something important on on your website, and I still haven't heard back from you. Can you please uh, let me know? Yeah, the best way to reach me, because I get just a ton of inbounds, uh, is to just mention your question right here always. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for the, the birthday greetings. I appreciate that. The older I get, the better I was. No, I feel great. Um, I still can't believe I'm 50. All right, next up, uh, I've got uh, Satoshi. Uh, who wrote, uh, I'm working on the cash flow for 12 months. I included all the expenses and incomes, but I cannot figure out the conversion rate. Uh, We are targeting $30,000 client monthly. Is it wise to sell it at 5% uh, monthly? Uh, Yeah, that's that's really hard for me to, uh, to answer unless you tell me what the nature of your company is and what sector you're in as well. And I'll humbly do my best to answer that question. Thank you. Okay. Um, uh, next up, uh, YouTube Joyce. Uh, first time I've seen you, Joyce. Welcome to the call. I hope you join us again. Wrote, I'm very interested to teach uh, my learnings on YouTube, uh, but I feel demotivated when I see already a bunch of content and creators out there already doing this. I feel 
less reason to do so. Any suggestions to be helpful? Yeah, man, you, you, you got to start somewhere. Uh, and, and once you embark upon a goal of creating content, you have to understand that many people started out with hardly any viewers. Like Gary Vaynerchuk, who I think is the best social media personality on the planet, he started out doing interviews for podcasts when there's like one or two people listening. Uh, and so a lot of people think these YouTubers or people in business are overnight successes. They're not. You just don't hear about all the many failures that occur on the road to success. So when you embark upon this journey to create social media content, you got to have a long-term view to the extent that you just don't care what people think of you and you don't care if you don't get many likes or views. Because as Warren Buffett said, the longer the view, the wiser the intention. And I know it might feel like you're screaming into the wind at first or for the first couple years, but I promise you, if you keep at it with your long-term goal in mind, you'll make a fortune. Because YouTube is the only gold rush in history where it costs you nothing to make the product. And YouTube is also the only gold rush in history where you can get immediate access to billions of potential viewers for free, meaning customers for free. So just keep at it because most people give up. But if you don't give up and you're happy with uh, embracing a bit of failure every now and then um, so that you can do extraordinarily well in the long run, uh, then you'll beat your competition. And remember what Michael Jordan said. He said, I failed over and over and over again, and that's why I succeed. Embrace failure. Failure is cool. All right. Um, uh, and I have a, a course, if you want, you can go to my, my website uh, uh, on, on how to learn the ins and outs of YouTube. And we changed around our, our, our website a, a little bit as well, just to make it a bit more uh, intuitive. We'll be making more changes as well. But if you go here to HaroonMBA.com uh, or HaroonVentures.com, it's all the same, HaroonVentures.com, and you go here and then you go to all courses, you'll see I have a, a YouTube course that I actually made with um, one of my students I met a few years ago uh, on this weekly webcast named Sasha Stevenson. And Sasha uh, lives in Indonesia. She's from Canada originally, uh, and she's got over a million subscribers. She's done great. So I've learned a lot from her. Okay, uh, next up, uh, the Financial Advisor Show uh, wrote, hello, Chris and everyone. Uh, I love the last video about business lessons from a successful uh, restaurant entrepreneur. Thank you. Um, and then you wrote, by the way, my wife is an expert in Mediterranean food, uh, especially uh, Lebanese food. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. And, you know, growing up for me uh, in Canada, I, I loved uh, Middle Eastern food. You know, my, my dad is, is from Egypt. He immigrated in the 60s. Uh, my mom is half uh, Lebanese. But I never found a chain of restaurants uh, like I found with Saj Mediterranean. And disclosure, I'm not an investor in Saj Mediterranean at all. I'm just a big fan. And what we're going to start doing on this channel is we're going to try to add even more value by doing um, interviews uh, every couple of weeks. And so the next person I'm going to interview uh, is this brilliant dude who worked directly for Sergey and Larry uh, at Google, the founders of Google. And then he left to start an artificial intelligence-based uh, company that I can't wait to show you. It's coming up soon. Okay. All right, next up, uh, Marin, uh, who, who graduated from my MBA program last year. Uh, Marin is from uh, Kenya. Uh, we're building a school together in Kenya after we're done with the Rwanda one. Uh, and we're gonna build it with her father, uh, Samson, um, in honor of, of her mother. Uh, and so uh, Marin wrote here, uh, hope you and yours are well, likewise. Uh, can you kindly explain 
why is it when a company issues a dividend and the stock goes down and how this affects call options? Yeah, absolutely. So what usually happens is if companies issue a small dividend, right, say, I don't know, half a percent uh, every, every three months, meaning um, uh, 2% for the year, the stock doesn't really move very much. But if a, a company issues a massive dividend, the stock gaps down the next day. Because what happens is if you buy the stock a couple of days later, you don't get that dividend and that catalyst is passed. And the best way to explain this is to use a real life CAFE study uh, from the fall of 2003 when Microsoft issued a one-time massive dividend. And you'll see, and I'll show you in the chart in a second, that the stock gapped down immediately after they issued that one-time special dividend. And the reason Microsoft did this was because they were getting pressure from investors um, that saw their massive cash balance. And they were pressuring Microsoft, hey, either issue a dividend or buy back shares. So let's go together and check out that chart and I'll show you what this means. So if we go together to um, finance.yahoo.com and we type in the ticker for Microsoft, Mr. Softy, they used to call it the trading floors when they used to have trading floors. And what we'll do is we'll look at a chart right here and then we'll go and, and make it uh, maximum. Hold on one second here. All right, so what I'll do is I'll just drag it like this. A little bit tedious, but we'll get there. One second. All right. And they just changed the outline here. So they just made it, I guess it's hidden down there, Max. Okay, so I'll zoom out. Give me one second, we'll get there fast, I promise you. Ah, okay. But you'll see back into, oh my God, I'm an old man. I've been trading Microsoft for 8 million years. Here we go, 2003. Okay, April, May, June, here it is here. Yeah, yeah, okay, good. So it's a special dividend uh, in, uh, in October of 2003. I remember I worked at a hedge fund and we were on both sides of the trade. Um, and so it was at 27 bucks uh, right before the dividend was issued. Uh, and then it gapped down uh, the next day to, let's see, uh, 25 and change. I guess the stock is split, it's tough to see here, but actually 29 down to 26. So about a 10% pullback after they issued that, that dividend because it was a one-time special dividend, yeah. And when it comes to options, uh, it's, it's kind of tricky to understand, but what I'll do is I'll open up a, a product called Think or Swim. Now, if you want to invest in options, what I recommend you do is you, you practice first for at least six months. And if you go to my website, uh, haruneducation.com, uh, and na navigate to my courses or scroll down, you'll see I have a complete options course. Now, I don't want anybody to ever invest in options until you've practiced for at least six months. And so I recommend you download this, this trading blotter here that I'm gonna show you. So we go to Chris Haroon, and my password is, here we go. And I've got paper money selected here. You see it right here? And so you can actually trade a, a pretend uh, portfolio um, if, if you want to. And that's what I recommend everybody do initially. And so um, it looks a little bit complicated when you go through this, but please don't get intimidated, okay? And we do a case study on Coca-Cola. I have lots of props uh, for that course, the options course, yeah. All right, so if we, we type in here uh, Microsoft. I'll teach you just very quickly about how all this works. So Microsoft, here we've got the stock. Uh, you can analyze the stock as, as well by clicking here. There's tons of charts uh, as well. Uh, and then what you can also do is you can actually look at options. now. I actually just um, <laughs> I just reinstalled this. Uh, so give me one second to set it up. Sorry, guys. All right, we can go to uh, Forex Trading, uh, underlying, give me one second. 
here we go here. Okay, great. Here's the option chain. So the way the options work is as follows. So options allows you to invest a tiny bit of money in order to make a fortune. And the most you can lose is that tiny bit of money. Okay, so for example, uh, last week, a lot of people were buying uh, Facebook calls options the day after Facebook gapped down. And I'm sure they've done incredibly well because of it. Okay, so for example, um, let's say that uh, by March of 2022, we think that Microsoft stock uh, is going to be a, a lot higher. So Microsoft right now is 306 bucks. Okay, let's say we think that Microsoft is going to hit, um, let's see here, 400 bucks. Okay, by March 22nd, that's the strike price. Then what we can do is we can actually buy an option. Okay, and what this means is if Microsoft goes above 400 bucks by then, we're going to make a lot of money. If it doesn't, all we're going to lose is 20 cents. Okay, 20 cents times 100. They're sold in lots of 100. Let's do a more simplistic example now. Okay, so let's say that um, we think Microsoft's going to be above 290 bucks uh, by March uh, 22nd. So we would buy an option here and it would cost us, um, let's see here. The price here uh, would be 20 bucks, okay? And so uh, what would happen is if the stock goes uh, above um, 300, uh, uh, above um, 290 bucks by the time expiration is Mar in March 22nd of, uh, of this year, we make money. And for every dollar it goes up above the price plus the strike price, meaning 305 plus 20, okay? Every dollar it goes above that level, uh, we make a buck. And so if it goes up, to, I don't know, it goes up to 400 by then, we, we can make an absolute fortune. Okay, and that, that, these are through, through options here. So I recommend playing around with this a lot first with play money, okay? Because this will tell you how much money you can lose and make. The most we can make is infinite. The most we can lose is what we pay for the option. So in this case, uh, it looks like the, the ticker moved a bit here. Uh, we, we would um, pay, uh, we would lose uh, $2,000. Okay, again, they're always sold in increments of, um, of, of, of 20 or of 100. So you would take the price here of 18 bucks in between the bid and the ask times 100. That's the most you can lose. And if you have more questions about that, uh, please let me know. And thanks as always. And Marin, always great to see you. Always great to see you. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, Next up, I've got Rose. Rose graduated two years ago from my MBA program. Great to see you. She's from the great state uh, of Virginia. Uh, Rose wrote, good morning, Chris. Uh, what industries will Web 3.0 negatively uh, and or positively impact the most? And should we ensure our companies adapt to these changes ahead of market anticipation or, or wait? Yeah. So I would say uh, any industry where you have meetings, a lot of meetings or webcasts like this, those are going to be the most positively impacted uh, by this uh, because you, you'll be able to have meetings uh, in, in 3D in a virtual setting wearing uh, virtual reality goggles or you can walk around without these. And what I did last week on my webcast, uh, and many of you were here last week, thank you, uh, was I actually uh, did the whole thing in the metaverse. Okay, And it was a very simplistic example of what the metaverse might look like. Okay, and there's a software product, there's a software product, there's a software product we can all use uh, called spatial.io. Okay, and so uh, as you can see here, um, we were walking around, I had a lot of students come on and walk around with me actually in, in the metaverse. Um, and so I, I think any, 
industry where you have a lot of meetings, it's going to be amazing. But I think education is probably going to be the most positively impacted by this completely. Uh, it might hurt universities because people will learn online. And so I'm launching a, a metaverse version of my MBA product uh, later this year. You can even go to mbametaverse.com uh, and see a sample or it'll forward to my website. So what you can do is you, you can walk around, you can share screens, um, you can actually um, do case studies, which is what we're doing to the extent that I'll be doing a case study, for example, uh, on Nintendo. And let's say the case study was Nintendo buying Activision, which wouldn't happen. But what we would do is I would say, let's go to a Nintendo's headquarters and meet in their boardroom together. And let's then teleport over to Activision's headquarters. And let's role play and pretend we're investment bankers at Goldman Sachs, where I used to work years ago. And let's go to Wall Street and let's talk to the investment bankers or pretend we're talking to them with a beautiful view of Central Park, for example. So it makes it uh, much more interactive, much more dynamic to learn this way. And there will be a lot of props as well that I'll be putting in here uh, as well. I love to use props when I teach, but I'll be using virtual props as well. So you'll be able to drag and drop uh, balance sheet and income statement items as well and build financial models that way. It's going to be a lot of fun. So the bottom line is I think that um, this is somebody thought they were Gordon Gecko there. Uh, the bottom line is that I, I think that education is going to be the most positively impacted. In terms of negatively impacted, let me think about that. that that's kind of tough. I guess education will be positively and negatively impacted. It will be positively impacted by from a student's perspective because you can learn online, but it might be negatively impacted because fewer people might elect to go to universities to, to learn uh, in a classroom when you can do a lot of this virtually uh, online. Yeah, uh, I think the video game sector will also be positively impacted. I'm beta testing this a lot. Um, and so th this here is a cheap product um, uh, for the N Nintendo uh, that, I, that I gave my, 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 my kids. They're getting older now too. They're not that young anymore. Um, so the video game industry will, will benefit. And it's interesting because we've had the most consolidation we've ever seen from an M&A perspective in the video game market in history over the past couple months. So Microsoft bought Activision and Microsoft also has a product called HoloLens. Okay, And I know Microsoft is going to be embracing Web 3.0 for video games, which is going to be fun. The same thing with Sony. Sony bought Bungie, which is the company that makes Halo. And they did that because Microsoft is buying Activision. And they know that the antitrust department, the Department of Justice in the United States, the government, would not let Microsoft buy Bungie and Activision at the same time. And of course, we have Take-Two, uh, the, the, the maker of Rockstar Games, uh, meaning Grand Theft Auto, and GTA 6 was just announced. But Take-Two announced uh, that they're buying Zynga, uh, and so you see massive consolidation. So I think a lot of people are going to make a fortune uh, when it comes to uh, video games because of, of the metaverse. Yeah. yeah. In terms of companies that, that won't benefit, it's tough for me to think of that, actually. And I, if anybody has any ideas uh, on, on what industries will be natively impacted by the metaverse, uh, please let me know. Um, maybe theme parks, the Walt Disney Corporation. People won't go to theme parks as much anymore. I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. But I'm excited about it. And I'm releasing a course on that as well, and an NFT course soon. All right. Next up, uh, Marin wrote, uh, what are your thoughts on inflation currently going on and the possibility of all COVID uh, restrictions uh, being uh, lifted? Yeah, I, I hope that happens. Um, I'm still going to wear my mask, and I'm damn proud to be a Canadian, uh, given the peaceful protests 
uh, in, in Ottawa. I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I, I believe in freedom of the individual. And, and I hope it remains uh, nonviolent, these protests in, in Canada. But those people inspire me very much. Yeah. Um, so uh, in terms of inflation, so the government is most likely going to be raising rates next month in the United States. And this is already priced into the markets. Okay, so uh, inflation can destroy an economy. Um, it's, it's deadly. Uh, what happened in the fall of 2008 was in Zimbabwe, they had 98% daily inflation because prices were rising so, so quickly and they wanted to get th themselves out of the 2008 crisis. But I, I think the governments around the world allowing inflation to get a bit out of hand is smart right now because of COVID. Because if governments raise interest rates aggressively uh, during the peak of COVID, uh, then you'd have massive social unrest. And also, you know, economies would be decimated. And the global economies were hit harder uh, over the past couple of years than they were even during World War II, many countries, including the United Kingdom. You know, the United Kingdom in the second quarter of 2020, the revenue for the country, meaning GDP, went down 20% year over year. And that's it. Even when they were being London was being bombed uh, by by the Germans in World War II, the economy didn't contract that much. And so, by letting inflation stay a bit high, in order to prop up the economy with low interest rates, I think was a smart move. Now, you can't do this forever. Now, if governments start raising rates, it might signal also that they're not as worried about the spread of COVID as they once were. You know, life has to go on. Um, we can't be trapped in our houses, um, you know, forever. And, and God bless those Canadians. Makes me proud of what they did. Yeah, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I'm proud that they're, they're speaking up peacefully. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, and I think the economies around the world will, will improve uh, as well uh, once governments start raising rates. Because, again, it does signal that they're not as worried about inflation uh, as they once were. Okay. All right. Next up, I got the Berlin, who's in my MBA program this year. Good to see you. Uh, and, and the Berlin, thank you so much for your questions you had uh, for Zayda Ayub from Saj Mediterranean. I, I asked the questions, um, and it's going to air tomorrow at 9 a.m. my time, uh, the, the, the entire interview. Thank you. Uh, so you wrote, good morning. Uh, you wrote, the moment we were born, we were already rich. We just don't know it, as Bob, Bob Proctor once said. Uh, let's get it. Let's go. Awesome. And Bob is a famous media personality in the United States talking about stocks uh, on, on the radio or online now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. My, my riches consist in the fewness of my wants, not what I want to acquire in the future. And it's interesting because when I worked on Wall Street, everybody was depressed. And I wasn't the happiest person either. And the reason is because... Every Christmas bonus season, I remember when I worked at Goldman Sachs, you know, you're given enough, you know, money to buy food, obviously, and provide for your family. But people were depressed because they were always comparing themselves with those that make more. And the only time you should look in your neighbor's bowl is to see if they have enough, not if you have more than them. And so the cancer of Wall Street, and I lived it, and Western society to a certain extent, is our greed and how much we want to acquire and not being happy with what we have. You know, Oprah Winfrey once said, you can have it all, but you can't have it all at once. So enjoy what you have. 
And I recommend everybody read uh, a book about happiness by the Dalai Lama uh, called The Art of Happiness. And in the book, the Dalai Lama said, the problem with Western society is we sacrifice our health our entire lives in order to make money. And then at the end of our lives, we sacrifice all of our money in order to maintain our health. And then we look back and we realized we never really lived to begin with. Okay. Uh, next up, Ali, who graduated from my, my MBA program a couple of years ago. Good to see you, buddy. Hope you're doing well. Uh, you're happy to be here once again. Uh, you make me love Thursdays. Uh, thanks for your generosity. Thank you, Ali. Thank you. Thank you. And I, and I know you had a good laugh last week uh, when, when I was doing that that webcast. And, and somebody came on, dude, during the webcast. If you go to the two hour and 30 mark from last week, uh, and, and he had an avatar look like me. And, and he was right up on the screen in my face and kind of cracked me up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But when we go live with this, this metaverse thing, it's going to look a heck of a lot better than that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, uh, Ali wrote, Chris, can you explain price against earnings ratio in the most simplistic way possible with an example, if possible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. Um, so what we'll do is we'll use Coca-Cola as an example. And let me go to see what Coca-Cola's valuation is at right now. So let's go together to uh, Yahoo Finance. Okay. Right here. <laughs> and we'll type in the ticker for Coke, which is KO. And we could have used the trading blotter as well, uh, which I have open. Okay, so Coca-Cola has a, a, a price earnings ratio of 30 times, okay? And, and I'll explain what this means. So for the rest of your lives, whenever you see a fraction, I don't want you to ever think of anything except for the number one on the denominator, and here's why. So price to earnings means price divided by earnings. And so if Coca-Cola has a price earnings ratio of 30 times. That means for every $1 on the denominator, earnings, for every $1 in earnings, investors are willing to pay 30 bucks for that $1 in earnings. Okay. And usually a company that's growing very, very fast has a high PE because people are willing to pay more than that $1 in earnings. And so a company not growing very fast usually has a low PE maybe, I don't know, seven or eight times earnings because people don't want to pay much for a company that's not growing. So in that case, a company not growing at all, if you pay eight times earnings, it would be for every $1 in earnings on a denominator, investors are paying eight times. Now for a company that's growing very, very fast, there's a lot of tech companies out there growing really quickly, a price earnings ratio of well over a hundred times might seem expensive but it's not always, and here's why. The problem with Wall Street and with a lot of investors in general is their short-term focus to the extent that they look at price-earnings ratios based on earnings this year or next year. You, you can't do it that way, especially with growth stocks. You gotta be long-term focused. And so I remember years ago, people would tell me, Chris, you're crazy to own LinkedIn, ticker LNKD, when it was public, or Amazon, ticker AMZN, you're crazy to own these stocks, Chris, uh, Chris, because they're trading at well over 100 times earnings. And I would say, no, they're trading at three times earnings. Uh, and they would say, WTF, you know, why the face? Why are you saying that? Three times earnings, it's 100 times earnings. No, 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 no. Because I value my companies based on my forecast of financial statements and based on what I think earnings will be in 10 years. 
And so instead of valuing companies on a PE based on this year's numbers or next year's, I look at earnings in 10 years. And if it's a company I love, then in my forecast, my earnings are massive in 10 years. And so I value the company off of a price earnings ratio based on earnings in 10 years. So in that case with, with LinkedIn uh, or with Amazon, you know, when I invested years ago, people were saying, Chris, you're crazy. It's a widow maker to invest in that. I would value them based on my earnings estimates, you know, 10 years out. And then my target price would usually be based on a higher uh, price earnings uh, 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 ratio. So if a stock is trading at three times my earnings estimates in, I don't know, 10 years, and I think it should be trading at 20 times my earnings estimates in 10 years, then I see upside from a PE multiple of three times to 20 times for my target price. Okay, Manas, how are you? Manas is based uh, in India. Uh, Manas wrote, uh, good morning, my, my dear mentor, Chris, please. Hope all is well, likewise, brother. Uh, what a beautiful interview you had with with uh, Ayub. Uh, it was so cool. As always, your, your crypto course is the best in the market. Thank you. You wrote, I'll, I'll say that over and over again. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. And, and I'm actually creating an NFT one, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah, and a metaverse one. And I've got an insane number of, of courses coming out this year and elongated versions of it will be added to the MBA program as well. Okay. All right. Uh, and if this is helpful, this this webcast, please click that the like and subscribe. My marketing team always wants me to mention that. Okay. Uh, and Jagdish wrote a good morning. Good morning to you as well. Uh, and Manas uh, has a question here. My mentor, I'm enjoying my job, as I've said in the previous weeks. Awesome. I'm doing things I love, uh, and that is what made my day. Uh, thanks to your LinkedIn course and your Entrepreneurship Foundations course. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, I've got, if you guys want to take my my uh, Entrepreneurship course um, for 99 cents, it's a six-hour course I just published. It's called The Foundations of Entrepreneurship. Just uh, go to my, my website, which is haruneducation.com. Um, and then up here, just uh, click here. You can get for 99 cents uh, that, that course and click here as well if you want. And what we also did on our website was we added our courses here to the website and we've seen a dramatic pickup uh, in sales. And it's such a simple thing. My, my new marketing guy is great. Uh, and so we added it here uh, before you had to click to go somewhere else to, to buy them. Yeah. And we have a subscription program as well if anybody is interested uh, in this. Thank you. Yeah. And we added this on the side. We, we try to declutter the website here. Yeah. And if you're interested we on how we made it, we, we made the whole thing in Squarespace. Yeah. And I use code as well right? Uh, CSS, JavaScript, and all that stuff. And I'm teaching programming coming up very soon. And the reason I want to teach programming is because I'm getting into, you know, more advanced topics I think can benefit my students, especially my MBA students. And so I used to be a programmer years ago. And I'll explain why I'm holding this in a second, aside from the fact I have very tiny hands. Sorry, I went 32 minutes without dad humor. There you go. But I'm teaching programming because um, I actually worked as a programmer for years uh, back in the 90s at Accenture. And I love coding and I do it on the side. But I think the way that programming is being taught is it's so complicated. So I'm going to be using a lot of props, tons of props, actually. And I got a 3D printer that, that arrives today. And I'm going to be printing 3D props and making it fun. So for example, if you want to tell this pencil and your programmer, developer, to turn this eraser green, you always start big dot small and then do whatever you want to do with that. So to turn the eraser green, it would be pencil dot eraser equals green. 
So I've got a, a ton of props with that. I, I'm also my, my 3D printer. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm printing uh, a submarine sandwich. And it sounds out there, but it's going to be fun because when you program, you've got sub procedures. And so I'm going to be using a lot of visuals so that you'll, you'll be learning by accident and you'll thoroughly enjoy it. Yes, I will be teaching Python and other programming languages uh, eventually as well. Okay. Um, thank you for that, that comment, Us Appreciate that. Okay. Uh, uh, next up, Akil wrote, uh, and I've got two students named Akil. Uh, I, I will become the world's first trillionaire. What, what advice uh, would you give me? Yeah. Wow. So I would say don't be motivated by money because if, if, you, if your dream or your goal is to make a ton of money and you chase money, you'll lose your dreams. But if you chase your dreams, as long as you're willing to fail a bunch of times and not give a damn what anybody thinks of you, then something wonderful happens. Your dreams come true and the money follows accidentally. It always does. All these wonderful entrepreneurs out there have had a dream for decades, their entire lives actually. And they never gave a damn what anybody thought of them. So you got you to be that way as well. You know, decades ago, Elon Musk was talking about colonizing Mars. And he didn't care what people thought of him. He was just being himself. So you got to be long-term focused. Don't chase money. Chase your dreams. And then you've got a shot at, at making a fortune. And, and if you make that much, I, I hope you build, build a lot of schools all over the world uh, as well. Now, the most successful entrepreneurs have one thing in positive in common, which is they're very positive people. They have an incredibly positive attitude. I, I've never met a successful business person that is negative. Like all your buddies you grew up with, with, with the ones that had negative attitudes, they're not as successful as the ones with very positive attitudes. So you just kind of got to kind of take the road less traveled and not give a damn what anybody thinks of you. Uh, and then just fail a lot because eventually you'll be right. You only have to be right in business one time. Okay. Next up, uh, Satoshi Shorts uh, wrote, um, uh, what are rental property management apps um, uh, where you can pay your rent bills and hire a handyman? Uh, we target 30,000 clients. Is it logical to set the conversion rate at 5% uh, monthly? That's a very high conversion rate. Yeah. Um, it's tough. It's tough. Even with a lot of email marketing, it's, it's tough. Uh, I, I live it. That's what I look at Dow and Mao stats and conversion rates all the time. Yeah. Oof. It's tricky. Now, I, I own a bunch of property uh, in Canada, a couple of buildings, uh, one recently in, in Texas I bought. I, I love Texas real estate because a lot of people in California are moving there. And also, uh, it, I, I, love, I love Texas real estate. I love everything about Texas except for a couple of political things. But most of it I, I, I love. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's tough to get an app just to do that because it's very hands-on and there's a lot of money at stake. And so what I do is I hire, um, I hire these, uh, these contractors to actually manage, property manage uh, my, my, my places I own around the world. Uh, and so they charge like 10%, which is high, but I don't want to be there to oversee the whole thing. It's tough. That's a lot of money I'm dealing with as well. It's kind of like me saying I want to use an app uh, to, to, I don't know, get a mortgage and, and manage all my bills. I prefer face-to-face -face still. Yeah. Okay. And TaskRabbit tried what you're doing as well. They, I can't believe they're, they haven't done incredibly well. Uh, they were all the rage in the VC sector where I worked uh, about a decade ago. Yeah. 
But I think face-to-face -face is important or Zoom-to-Zoom -zoom when it comes to a lot of money at stake. Yeah, that's just me. All right, next up, Erka John wrote, uh, Good morning, Chris. Uh, how are you? I'm always great. Thanks. Uh, for some reason, I was expecting your webcast yesterday. Oh, uh, and then you wrote, Happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, wishing you uh, all the best. Uh, great start uh, uh, with the guy who started the business with no related background. Yeah, with, with uh, Zayd Ayoub. Yeah, yeah it's going to be great. Yeah, and he actually, um, so he immigrated from Jordan back in the early 90s uh, to the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, just a great guy. Um, very positive attitude all the time as well. And, and you'll see that in the interview tomorrow. But he worked in semiconductors and now he actually, he does a lot of VC work in the Middle East uh, where he has advised the government uh, in Jordan and other Middle Eastern countries when it comes to venture capital and technology deals. I think you'll enjoy that interview. Thank you. Uh, and then Eric and John wrote, I have an idea to open Halal uh, Sausage. Oh, cool. Halal Sausage, a small factory company, uh, because I've heard, I've had hard time finding Halal stuff here in Austin, in Texas. Uh, in the Bay Area, it, it was way, way easier. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you want, you can watch the interview tomorrow. And if you have additional questions, let me know. And I'll ask Zaid personally. He's, he's a buddy of mine. Our, our kids are, are great friends. His, he's a, he and his wife, Rana, they're amazing. They're the nicest people, very successful, uh, respectful, um, humble. Uh, and their daughter uh, just got into MIT. And their son, who's 15 years old, who works out with my, my son here in the garage. He's 15. He can bench like 220. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, and then Ergen John wrote, uh, by the way, I'm Muslim and I don't eat pork. Yeah. Um, and then you wrote, how complicated is to open such a factory uh, and its risks uh, since it, it's food? Yeah. I'm not really an expert in that area, uh, but but if you if you send me a list of questions, I can ask um, uh, I can ask uh, uh, Zaid those those questions. Thanks. But I do recommend before you start a company to write a business plan because and it's a cliche, but failing to plan is planning to fail. And, and most people don't write a business plan, and it's one of the most important decisions you'll make in your life. And if you don't do it right. You know, can destroy your 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 personal life, uh, your 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 bank account, obviously, and your health. Uh, and so, in my MBA program, um, I've got a venture capital boot camp uh, in the third semester, uh, and you can sign up for the MBA program today if you want to. There's a 30-day 100% money-back guarantee. So you go to my website HarunEducation.com, um, uh, and then right here you can click on on all courses in the MBA program. Or you can scroll down to check out all, all my courses here. Yeah. Okay. All right. And, and my dream with my students is, like, I want to, I want nothing more than my students to reach their full potential and be very successful. However, I want you to be ready. And in my MBA program, I provide you with a ton of arrows in your quiver or tools in your toolbox. So you can tackle any business problem, including starting a company. And I don't want you to start a company, anybody, until you write a full business plan. And the way you know you have an amazing business idea is if you actually finish the business plan. And a lot of business plans I write, I'll quit five or 10 pages into it. You know, I'll do a day's work on it and I'll stop because I've uncovered through that due diligence process why it's not a good company. And so I want you to be ready uh, by, by, by take, using my, my, my business plan templates in my MBA degree program. Yeah. Okay. And again, you'll know it's a good idea if you finish it. 
All right. Uh, and, and by the way, in my MBA program, what I do is I teach how to start a company with no money. And I teach how to raise money. You know, I've humbly raised and managed over a billion dollars uh, in my career. And I teach you how to raise money as well. And when you raise money, initially, don't go to venture capital firms. I want you to go to high net worth investors because the sales cycle is quite short. And I want you to use OPM, not the drug, other people's money. And if you want, and if you don't want to sign up for my MBA program for much more details, you can always go to my website, haroonventures.com and scroll down and download for free uh, my, my networking book. Um, because relationships are more important than product knowledge. And if you understand how to network and meet people, you will be able to raise money and get a job, customers, anything you want, actually. And, and that's a big problem with, with people that graduate from university or high school. And, and I was the same way as well. You know, I, I didn't understand the importance of networking and that relationships are more important than product knowledge. And so when I was younger, I thought, hey, if I get good grades, my parents are proud, and I'm proud of myself, and the teachers leave me alone. And then what happened was uh, I, I, I got a job at Accenture. And a lot of people get their first job, and they think, if I keep my head down and I work very hard, I'll be noticed. I'll be noticed, and I'll get a raise, and I'll get a promotion. That's not how it works. You have to ask for a raise. You have to ask for a promotion. You have to ask for a date. I had to ask a billion times over and over again. You have to ask. And you have to network and meet Yodas or mentors, many mentors in your life that work in your company and different departments in your company. Maybe they're a family friend, etc. Maybe they're your aunt or uncle. And get them to mentor you. And they'll be tickled pink. They'll be happy uh, whenever uh, you, you ask them for help because it's an incredible compliment. Yeah. Why reinvent the wheel? These people that work at these companies can help you get promoted because they can tell you how the system works. Now, the best mentors um, I've had in my life are quite often assistants. And the reason is because assistants work for your boss and they probably worked for your boss at many companies over the years. And they understand how to get things done. Okay. Uh, next up, uh, Abel wrote, uh, hey, Chris, uh, I hope all is well. Uh, my name is Abel. Uh, I'm from Africa. Uh, great, great to see you. Uh, I live here in the United States. I'm currently a full-time finance student. Uh, I first got to know you on Udemy, uh, taking your accounting courses and the finance course. I humbly want to join your MBA degree program, but since I pay my bills and, and school tuition, it's a little expensive for me. I'm humbly asking for a discount. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, if you want, here's what you can do. Go to my homepage, okay? And, um, and if anybody else is having financial issues, do, do this as well. So go to my homepage. And in the bottom right-hand corner, you see this here? Click this, okay? And this is just dummy data on my end. But, but click this and uh, type your request. that You want a discount uh, on the MBA. Uh, and then um, somebody on my team will take care of it. I, I hired a new marketing guy. Uh, he'll, he'll take care of that. He's great. Yeah, thank you. And there's a 30-day, 100% money-back guarantee. So you can... You can watch a lot of it within 30 days. Get your money back if you want. And I know he's not happy I said that. My new marketing guy. Okay. Uh, and next up, I've got uh, Ujaval wrote, uh, Hi, Chris. Good morning. Uh, my question is, what's your opinion on Startup Grind and their upcoming uh, global conference, uh, 2022? I don't know much about that, but if you're interested in learning about incubators, 
um, meaning companies that will invest in your startup and take an equity stake, and then they'll introduce you to the top venture capital firms in the world. What you can do is you can go to my website and search at the top here on venture capital or incubators uh, if you want to. And so at the top of my website here, I've answered more than 10,000 questions live on the air, okay? And they're all indexed here. So if you type in venture capital, for example, up here, and you hit enter, uh, you'll see a bunch of uh, vlogs on, on venture capital over the years, including an interview I gave at um, a Stanford uh, venture capital bootcamp on campus there. Or you can click here uh, to see the MBA degree contents, okay? And if you're in the MBA, you click here, it'll take you directly to the lecture to, to watch that. And there's tons and tons of lectures on, on VC there as well. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, uh, ne next up, uh, Abel wrote, um, I, I can take my career to the next level with you. Thank you. My, my students inspire me so much. Thank you. Um, uh, and I'll remember your name too, Abel. Um, and then you wrote, uh, by the way, happy birthday, and thank you for sharing your knowledge with everyone. Thank you, Abel. Appreciate that. Thank you. I still can't believe I'm 50. It's crazy. Yeah. I still feel like like the maturity of my, my kids. My kids are more mature than me. I'm a man-child. Yeah. But I still laugh at the same jokes I did when I was 19, whatever. My favorite movie is still Dumb and Dumber. I know every line. I don't know if that's saying much about me, but... All right, next up, Mr. Invisible wrote, hey, Chris, hope you're well, likewise. Uh, how can I convince and get customers trust when I offer my services without any experience in portfolio and any business idea with a low TAM, is it worth it? Thanks. So a couple questions there, yeah. So the first question is, how can I convince uh, and get customers trust given the fact I don't have much experience? Yeah. This is where you want to get mentors, okay? You want to ask your mentors in whatever industry you're in, your Yodas, your mentors, how do you sell yourself given the fact you don't have much experience. What you might want to do is take one of these mentors with you on the road to meet with your customer or a more senior executive in your company to help you close the deal. So maybe you 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 get the introduction, you you take the ball down the field line and you need help from somebody to push it over the goal line. And maybe you ask your mentor or a more senior executive in your company to help you. Kind of like what uh, engineers do with SEs, uh, meaning sales engineers, people that will help them push the ball across the goal line. Now, we all have to start somewhere. And when you meet with these customers the first time, I want you to always bond before business. A big rookie mistake in business is to go to your first meeting with somebody and jump right into business and sell your product. Don't do that. I want you to bond with them. I want you to chit chat about your life, their life, etc. And the way you understand what kind of conversations have with them is you go to their Twitter profile to see who they follow. You know, if they follow Messi or other, you know, footballers, you might be able to talk about football in the meeting. If they follow certain actors or, you know, climate change activist agencies, you know what to talk about in that meeting. Just don't talk about politics. So you can bond with them in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Always bond before business because relationships are more important than product knowledge. Okay, next question is, um, what should I do uh, with a company I'm thinking about starting that has a small TAM? Yeah, don't do it. Because TAM, by the way, stands for Total Addressable Market. And venture capital firms like Kleiner Perkins, they never invest in startups that don't have massive markets, massive TAMs. 
And their rule usually is at Kleiner Perkins, which is one of the companies that invested in Google and Amazon years ago, VC firm. The rule is they usually don't invest in a startup that doesn't have a TAM or total addressable market of at least $20 billion. And the reason is because in the unlikely event that the startup gets 5% market share of a $20 billion TAM or total addressable market, that equals a billion dollars in annual revenues. So always make sure you start a company that has a massive market. Now, I know some of you are thinking that, well, Chris, wait a second. What if the market doesn't exist yet? It does. So for example, when, when Uber was started, there was no online taxi market, but they were disrupting a massive old school market, you know, the medallions, the old taxi markets. Same thing with Airbnb. When they started, there was really not that many online hotel companies. So they're disrupting an existing industry. Okay, Hisham, how are you? Hisham was one of my, my students years ago when I used to teach during the evenings, uh, undergraduate and MBA students. Um, uh, he, he actually uh, works for Amazon now. Great to see you, man. Uh, so Hisham wrote, good morning, Chris. Hope all is well. I want to hear your thoughts on something I came across recently. Sure. Uh, flag theory. I've never heard of that. You wrote the notion that individuals can best preserve their liberties and wealth by planting flags uh, in different jurisdictions. Uh, for example, becoming a tax resident in one country, one real estate asset in another, uh, and live and play elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. So what very wealthy people do um, is they, 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 they pay like a thousand bucks an hour for tax attorneys that will do that sort of thing. They'll move their money around. And it's unfortunate, but you know, the 400 wealthiest uh, families in America, they pay 23% income tax. And, and they should be paying close to 40%. And one of the reasons is because they hire these high-priced lawyers to move their money around and invest offshore for them. Yeah. So um, if you want to do it, something like that on, on a smaller scale or bigger scale, always talk to a tax attorney first. Now, the way to talk to a lawyer uh, without getting ripped off on fees, and I'm not sponsored by anybody, you guys know that, is you go to uh, LegalZoom, okay? And here you can talk to a lawyer for like 15 bucks uh, per half-hour call. You got to do a six-month contract, I think. Um, they'll help you with starting your business, uh, intellectual property, copyrights, patents, trademarks, etc. Uh, and if you don't have LegalZoom in your country, just do a search for uh, what is the LegalZoom equivalent in your country name. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I would say for, for everybody in, in general, um, when it comes to taxes, the first thing you want to do is, if you can, uh, maximize uh, your your retirement savings uh, account uh, every year. So in the, in many countries, it's about $20,000. Um, so every year you can invest $20,000 tax-free. And you want to do that every year. Um, and if you can, get money taken out of your paycheck every two weeks, if you can. So it's out of sight, out of mind, and put into that retirement savings account. So you don't pay taxes until you retire. And when you retire, that, that dollar amount's bigger. Now, Peter Thiel, who just stepped down from the, the board of Facebook. Um, and I think one of the reasons is because he's gonna help the Trump campaign. Um, it is what it is, I'm not going there. Uh, but Peter Thiel, um, what he did was with, with Facebook and with PayPal, a company he co-founded, PayPal, um, he took, um, he put all of that into what's called a Roth IRA. And a Roth IRA is a tax vehicle similar to a retirement savings account. But with a regular retirement savings account, what happens uh, is you let the money grow, and then when you take the money out in the future, you pay taxes on a much bigger amount. 
with a Roth IRA, and this is what Peter Thiel did. You can take 6,000 or so and put it into a retirement account. You pay taxes first, and then when the money grows and you take it out, you don't pay taxes later. And so he did that with, with his shares uh, in PayPal and Facebook. Uh, he did that and he's got between five and $10 billion tax-free sitting in those accounts. Yeah, And it's debatable whether or not uh, wealthy people should be allowed to do that. Yeah, it, it's meant more for entrepreneurs, people that are, that are starting companies. Yeah, And, and what uh, Jeff Bezos did actually was, um, Jeff Bezos, this is crazy, but it, you know, back in 2007 when he was already a billionaire many times over, not only did Jeff Bezos not pay any tax at all, but he claimed as four dependents on his tax return, his four kids at $4,000 each, $16,000 in a tax deduction he got. Yeah. And the problem is with, with very wealthy people, I, I know it's not fair that a lot of them don't pay taxes, but it's the way the tax code is written. You pay tax when you make money. But if you don't have a taxable event, like if Bezos doesn't sell shares in Amazon in a given year, he doesn't have to pay any taxes. And I think they should change that so that people with a net worth over a billion should pay 50% tax or at least the top tax bracket. Yeah, it's not fair. I am a capitalist though. All right. But you got to be careful, Hisham, too, because um, there are certain tax laws uh, in terms of income tax um, and it's, it's, it's called going compensatory. Um, and what that means is you can't, if you live for more than six months in one location, then you'll probably be paying taxes based on where you live. But talk to a lawyer first. And here in California, what a lot of people do, because taxes are ridiculously high here. Here in California, a lot of people live in Nevada, uh, which is where Lake Tahoe is. And they live there for just over six months per year. Um, so they pay less taxes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a crime uh, where the tax rates are here. Not a crime, but you know what I'm talking about. It, it, it's understandable why so many people are moving to Texas. But what's going to be fascinating um, is... So, so Texas is, is definitely more right-wing and California is, is more, more left-wing. It is what it is. A lot of people are moving to Texas now because Texas has lower taxes. A lot of people are leaving California, including companies like Oracle and Tesla and Elon Musk. So what happens a couple decades from now if there's a mass exodus from California and people in California that are more liberal start to kind of have a bigger say in politics in Texas. It'll be fascinating. And I think the, the notion uh, from Texans is that, hey, you're welcome. Come here. Just don't bring your politics. Yeah. It'll be interesting. That sounds like a great editorial for the New York Times. Okay. All right, next up, uh, Ali wrote, the first thing my wife noticed uh, when you came online was that you're wearing uh, your ring today. Yeah, she, she never allows me to leave the house without the ring on. Crazy, but I love her anyways. Yeah, yeah. Now this is a, a ring, and my MBA program stands for, it's not Master of Business Administration, it's it's married but available. Sorry, no, not, no, no, that's not the case ever, yeah. But I'm wearing two rings now, you'll see, and this never comes off, I always wear this thing here. But this one here is, um, it's, it's an IoT device. It's called the Oura Ring. O-U-R-A. And what it does, and I'm a nerd, I know. Uh, I used to use this product called a Whoop Band. And everybody in the NBA wears a band, a Whoop Band, W-H-O-O-P, under their, their wrist guards. And it will basically tell you if you should exercise today or not. It, it knows if, if you're about to get sick. I use this for that reason and also for, for 
for sleep. So my readiness right now is 73. So I, I go to the gym every day, do, do weights, get my 20,000 steps in this office. So I am ready. But if it dips below 70, I take a rest day. It also tracks uh, my sleep um, and my deep sleep as well in REM sleep. And, and R- deep sleep is important to monitor because it actually tells you, it, it, this is actually the sleep cycle when you repair yourself. Yeah. And my REM sleep, it, rapid eye movement is always off the charts. I have insane dreams. Sometimes I look forward to going to bed just because my dreams are fun. It's like a movie. Okay. Uh, next up, Hisham wrote, although I consider myself a global citizen, I disapprove of this nomadic lifestyle uh, forever. Yeah. Um, and then you wrote, uh, like a former British Prime Minister, uh, Theresa May, famously said, if you believe you are a citizen of the world, you're a citizen of nowhere. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I, I believe in being a libertarian. And, and I think what's going to happen in the future is a lot of people are not just going to be tied to one state or province. They're going to work remotely from anywhere they want to. And I think it was Peter Thiel who even thought about one day creating an island. And it will happen. I mean, if they made, if they spent $10 billion to make Narita Airport on the water in Tokyo, um, you know, eventually somebody's going to create an island and create their own country. It, it'll happen. It'll happen. There's a lot of libertarians out there that want to live like that. Yeah. Uh, and then Hisham wrote, I believe it's vital to have roots and somewhere to call home. Yeah. And I live virtually now. It's, it's so interesting. And a lot of my friends, great friends, are my students from all over the world. And it feels like I'm right beside them because, you know, there's this technology platform we have here called uh, YouTube. Um, and with the metaverse, which I'm deploying, as I mentioned earlier, later this year, it's going to feel like I'm right there with my students as well. Yeah. And yes, I will make a lot of mistakes with it. I always do. Okay. Um, okay, next up, uh, Alex P. Uh, and I'm smiling because I'm thinking of Alex P. Keaton. Wrote, hey, Chris, happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, last week, I heard Dan Price, the CEO of Gravity Payments, speak. Uh, and you're right. He really does not give a damn. He was wearing jeans and a big, bulgy hiking boots as well. Yeah, yeah. A lot of these successful entrepreneurs, they don't care. And you have to be like that. You'll never reach your full potential in life if half your brain power is stuck analyzing what do people think of me. It's an awful way to live as well. Just be yourself because as Dr. Seuss said, everyone else uh, is taken. And speaking of attire, it's fascinating because Steve Jobs, when he used to go into work, um, he worked at Atari and Activision for a while and he wouldn't shower. I'm not saying don't shower, but he wouldn't shower and he went on a diet eating carrots only and he turned orange and they made him work the night shifts and he just he didn't care he didn't care what people thought and when i was at mcgill university when i was younger my dream was to work at microsoft i knew everything about bill gates uh, and so in 1993 on campus at mcgill university microsoft came to interview and i got an interview and i bought a suit from this place called harry rosen i don't know what the hell i was doing i was a kid i still don't really know Um, I bought this suit. It was double-breasted at the time, I remember. And I show up to the interview early, as I always do. And I'm waiting, and the interviewer's not there. And it was 10 a.m. when the interview was supposed to start. The interviewer didn't show up. So I'm waiting, whatever. And then five or ten minutes later, this this lady shows up, uh, and I thought she was the garbage lady. 
And, and so what, what I did was um, I, I said, uh, Poobel, and, and I, I handed her the garbage. So I, you know, I was trying to help. And she said, actually, I'll, I'm from Microsoft. I'm going to be interviewing you today. <laughs> she was wearing garbage clothes and everything. So needless to say, I did not get that job. Uh, but the corporate culture, when it comes to a lot of these technology companies, is very, very laid back. And if you don't know what to wear for an interview, just go to the LinkedIn profile of people that work at that company or that company's website to see what they wear. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, Ali wrote, Chris, uh, can you verify if a brokerage firm is regulated? Yeah. So in the United States, I think it's FINRA. Uh, you can check to see if somebody is registered there. Yeah. Um, and, and in terms of, if you're not sure what I would do just to be safe, it doesn't matter what country you're in. Um, I would get a list of the top five banks in your country and call each one of them and ask them, do you have a brokerage firm that I can transact in stocks with? And what they'll do is they'll, they'll introduce you to them. And, and those are regulated for the most part and, and probably reputable as well. Next up, you wrote, are there any international online brokers you'd recommend for investing in ETFs? Yeah, I don't really know of any. Again, I would just go to the five biggest banks in whatever country people are in and ask if they have an affiliated brokerage service so you can buy ETFs. And for more details on ETFs, just go to uh, my website, haroonventures.com and do a search on ETFs. I've done a ton of videos on that over the years. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, I got Peter, who's a, a new student. He's 19. He's from Romania. Great to see you. Uh, Peter wrote, uh, hi, Chris, hope you're having a great day. Likewise, I want to ask you why experienced investors recommend investing in gold, silver, and so on, rather than crypto and other types of investments. Yeah. So old school investors or traditional investors, they 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 want to invest in something tangible. You know, with, with gold, it's tangible and there's a dearth of supply. This is not real gold. Um, you know, and, and the great thing about investing in commodities is there's a scarcity. And traditional investors don't understand virtual concepts like cryptocurrencies or, or NFTs or, or Web 3.0. Um, a lot of them think it's a scam. And, and many cryptos are a scam. But the ones where there's a dearth or a limit on supply sometimes are not scams. So it's just this old school thing where they understand anything not virtual. And it's interesting because with, with my, 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 my children, you know, they, they, were, they, they grew up in the, in the YouTube generation. They grew up with these things in their hands. So they understand the concept of owning something virtual. They understand the concept of paying uh, for skins on Fortnite. They understand the concept of not owning stuff that's physical, but in the cloud. Growing up, I had more toys than my kids did. Not because I was spoiled, I wasn't, but my kids, they own stuff in the cloud. And so the younger generation that grew up digital, they get that concept. And a lot of them are growing up now, they're becoming consumers and entrepreneurs. And so older people don't get that because they didn't grow up digital like this. All right, Patricia, how are you? Patricia is one of my, my MBA students. How are you? Great to see you. Uh, and, and Patricia wrote here, apparently, I don't understand crypto. I'll be investing in the stocks. Uh, am I mistaken? Yeah, and we'll, we're going to cover cryptos in much more detail uh, next month in the EMS track as well. Yeah. But if you're going to invest in, in cryptos, um, only invest if you thoroughly understand cryptos. Now, the problem with cryptocurrencies, and they're about to be regulated in many countries, the problem with cryptocurrencies is... They're not regulated by governments. They're regulated by the laws of mathematics. And so with companies that want to go public, like Facebook, for example, um, it's a heavily regulated industry, the stock market. 
And that's a good thing because you can't go public unless you offer an investor offering memorandum like this one called an S1, which tells you all the details of a company. And this is from the Facebook IPO back in 2012. Now, with cryptocurrencies, you don't have any regulatory bodies that will make you write this big document, meaning the investment bankers and bankers, I'm so sorry, sort of, uh, and, and lawyers. And so if cryptos are loosely regulated, and I think they should be loosely, then you'd have to submit something to the government or some sort of independent, maybe non-government agency that will bless it or look for risks and offer their opinion. Yeah. But the reason that there's no, there's no regulation, so a lot of cryptos are a scam. Most are a scam. Yeah. Although there are a bunch that I absolutely love, and I've publicly disclosed them before, uh, and I'll never sell those. Yeah. But I'll teach you uh, in the MBA program, you know, how to, how to write, how to write one of these things uh, for, for cryptos. I'll teach you due diligence. There's tons of templates I'm going to be introducing you to in the MBA program as well. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, next up, Anna Rag wrote, hey, Chris, greetings. Good to see you. Thanks for the emoji. Okay. Give me one second here. All right. Farhan. Hey, Farhan. How are you? Wrote, uh, hey, Chris, uh, I'm planning to pursue a master of science in, in finance in France. Is France a good option for a career in finance? Uh, by the way, happy birthday. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for that emoji, the birthday cake too. Yeah. Um, I, I think everything is virtual now. I mean, you don't have to be in the San Francisco Bay Area or in Hyperabad um, uh, to start a tech company. You can be anywhere. You can be anywhere. And what COVID has done, it's been awful, uh, but when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. What COVID has done is it's kind of let the whole world know that, hey, maybe we don't need to be in these crazy office buildings. Maybe we can all work remotely. You know, most of my employees are not in Canada or not in the United States anymore. Um, it's just better to have employees all over the world. Why focus on just one country when I can focus on all countries in general? So it doesn't matter where you're located at all uh, if you want to work in any industry. Yeah. Now, when it comes to the, the finance industry, um, yeah, it might look better if you worked a, you know, Canary Wharf in the United Kingdom or Bay Street in Toronto or Wall Street in the United States. But it's not the be-all and end-all. You can do a lot of online stuff as well. You can even go to Upwork.com uh, to see if there are any gigs that you can offer as a financial analyst. And I had analysts actually in India years ago that would help me with my financial models. I didn't need to hire uh, people in New York City or the Bay Area. Yeah. But don't forget to network. Go to my website, get my networking book and all that stuff. Network, uh, especially in finance, it's tough to get into. But if you network enough, I promise you, you will get that coveted job. All right. Uh, hey, Fred, how are you? Fred graduated from my, my MBA program uh, last year. Great to see you. He lives in, in Baltimore. Uh, great guy. Uh, a big time options trader as well. Thank you for all your help over the years with that too, buddy. Good to see you. All right. Arvin wrote, uh, uh, please make crypto fundamental analysis course. Uh, I, I have that already. Yeah. Like if you take my MBA program, I go into a lot of detail on that. Uh, and we have a, uh, you can subscribe to my, uh, to all my courses at my MBA as well. Um, just go to my website. There's a subscription product we recently deployed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, uh, Rose wrote, um, I, I think, and I'm going to be adding the NFT uh, topics as well, uh, advanced NFT topics to the MBA program this year. So if anybody that's bought it in the past or this year, whatever, you'll, you'll get all that new content for free always. I'm also going to teach you how to create NFTs from scratch. And I'm adding programming stuff like I mentioned before. All right. 
Next up, Rose wrote, I think business that will be negatively impacted by Web 3.0 are any live event industries like movie theater chains, that's a good point, uh, and concert production companies, which we are already seeing the negative effects. Yeah, yeah. And the whole concept of going out to the movies, I don't really, I don't really do it. I remember years ago, I took my kids to see Ratatouille, you know, back in 07 or whatever it was. And I spent a hundred bucks on parking, overpriced hot dogs, movie tickets, etc. I don't mind staying home and watching movies, yeah. Unless it's IMAX. Okay. Uh, and then uh, Manas wrote, uh, people lost $50 million because they shorted Bitcoin within four hours. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on that one? Yeah, people are so short-term focused when it comes to investing, and it really worries me. Um, it, it's tough to be a trader because random stuff's occur stuff occurs. And there's no way you can make money every month investing as a trader because every month has 20 weekdays, meaning 20 days the stock markets are open. I know the crypto markets are open longer than that. Uh, but you're fooled by randomness if you're trying to make money you know, based on little swings here and there uh, with, with charts. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. And Warren Buffett was uh, interviewed recently on television. It was interesting. Um, he said, um, if, you buy, if you buy a house for $20,000 and... The value of the house a month later goes down to $15,000. Does that mean you're going to sell your house for $15,000? No, you're long-term focused. And it, it's fascinating because the best investors on the planet, the best retail investors are, one, this is going to sound out there, but hear me out. The best retail investors on the planet are ones that are not alive. And there's been a lot of studies on this. It's interesting because when people pass away, obviously they, they can't manage their portfolios. So they're long-term focused. You know, the longer the view, the wiser the intention. Yeah. Okay. Um, and we just can't, like, you can't forecast what Putin is going to say next uh, about the Ukraine, uh, and, and which will either make stocks go up or down. You have no idea. No idea. But if you do a lot of research on stocks, and I teach you how to do it in a lot of detail in my MBA program, if you do a lot of research, you don't care about the path. You care about the destination of the stock, your target price, longer term, right? You, it's so hard to call this stuff. But if you do enough research, you can outperform the markets and make a lot of money as well. The worst thing you can do is rely on somebody else to tell you what to buy. And I'll never tell my students what to buy. I humbly want to teach you how to fish instead of providing you with a fish. But if you rely on other people to tell you what to buy or sell, then you won't have the conviction to stick it out. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll end up selling at the worst time. And you know, Warren Buffett said, the New York Stock Exchange is the only store in the world where consumers sell stuff when it goes on sale. All right. Uh, uh, next up, Zoralina uh, wrote, Hi, Chris from Ontario, Canada. I love Ottawa. Ottawa is, uh, I think it's a First Nations word for meeting place. I used to live in Ottawa in Sandy Hill when I worked for Accenture. Yeah. Uh, hi, Chris uh, from Ontario, Canada. Uh, I'd appreciate your input about stocks or ETFs paying a dividend. It looks attractive, but they seem to grow uh, less than other stocks. Yeah. So usually when it comes to ETFs, so ETFs are a collection of stocks okay, in, in one portfolio. Uh, and so because they're a collection of stocks, Right? They're not as volatile as individual stocks. Like Apple might go up and down a lot, but if you own tons of shares in companies similar to Apple in one portfolio, the volatility and the beta will be much, much lower. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, and the reason you wrote here that these ETFs offer less growth, um, it's they might actually offer more growth in the long run because they're diversified, but they're less volatile because of that. And their beta is lower as well. And beta is a concept, which means how volatile a stock is relative to the stock market. So if the S&P 500, the uh, SPY, if the S&P 500 has a beta of one, just accept that, that's a constant, we accept in the industry. And the beta of a stock you're investing in has a beta of two, then that means whenever the S&P goes up 1%, that stock that has a beta of two is gonna go up twice as much, 2%. And when the S&P goes down, that stock will go down more so. And so the nature of portfolio management, ETFs and mutual funds is they're a collection of stocks. And the more stocks you have in a portfolio, the less volatile that portfolio is and hence the beta is lower. Okay, uh, next up, uh, Sonal wrote, uh, would I be able to access this live afterwards? I have to attend one job meeting. Uh, I don't wanna miss this too. No, yeah, you, you, don't, ever, you don't ever have to watch this live because what I, what I do is I, I re-syndicate this a couple different ways. A lot of people don't realize I have a podcast as well. Um, so what you can do is you go to a boot here uh, and there's, uh, you can access old weekly webcasts here, uh, podcasts, uh, vlogs, and, and everything. You can even always search at the top there on my website for any concepts. I've covered every every business topic there is. Yeah, I'm really marketed this. Maybe, maybe I will. Yeah. Or you just watched it on YouTube Live. It, it, it'll always stay on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, next up, Manas wrote, uh, "What is uh, when is your real estate course coming out, my mentor, Chris? Please, uh, uh, we're waiting for that now for over six months. Uh, when will that be? Oot." You spell oot the right way, thank you. Like a Canadian, excellent. Canadians invented English, not the Brits, by the way. Yeah, um, so later this year. Yeah, I've got tons of stuff going on right now. As I mentioned earlier, I've got a, a, a bunch of stuff on programming as well, and you'll see why I'm using this pencil later. And I have a 3D printer as well to help me out with teaching programming concepts. I wanna teach it in, in a dramatically different way. Um, so using props, etc. Because when we were younger in school, we don't remember what the teacher said but we remember what we or our friends brought in for show and tell, meaning props. You'll never forget this now. My, my hands are tiny. You'll, you'll never forget this, yeah. And you'll see why I'm using this and a bunch of other props with my 3D printer uh, uh, soon, okay? So programming's coming out first. Uh, real estate will come out second. Uh, actually, no, real estate will be out this year, but I'm doing this. I'm doing program courses you guys will love, okay, for business, to help you with business analytics and business intelligence. And I'll teach coding in a fun way so everybody understands it, in a fun way, I should say, yeah. Um, then I'm gonna, after the program one is done, I have an NFT one and a metaverse course coming out as well. All this stuff is in my MBA program, of course, um, elongated versions. Uh, and then I'll also do a real estate uh, course uh, and then sales. And I have so many things to do. and. If I, I'll be brutally honest with you as always. If I was a quota carrying sales rep at a, at a company, I would be fired so many times. And the reason is because um, what I do is I, I usually take on more than I can do, but I love it. And James Cameron, the wonderful Canadian represent director, producer, writer of Titanic, et cetera, he said, if you set your goals so high and you fail, you still fail above everyone else's expectations. And so when I embark upon a goal, um, I love that feeling of being kind of over my head and I love pushing the goalpost out. And so I feel like with this programming course, like I do with all my courses, I feel like I'm standing on the edge of a cliff and 
I'm throwing a bunch of airplane parts off and I'm jumping off the cliff and I have to assemble the airplane before it hits the ground and it will get assembled. All right. Uh, and then, and then ne next up, uh, Manas wrote, uh, Peyton is awesome and very cool. Uh, I'm proud of that man and of the HEV family. It, uh, it, I'll be interviewing him for my very new course. Uh, it'd be fun to, to learn from, from Peyton. He's awesome. So actually Peyton and I are partnering uh, on, on making that NFT course. Yeah. Uh, and, and for those who are not familiar with Peyton, uh, Peyton Kalawahea, uh, he's one of my students. He graduated last year. Uh, he's killed it and he, he publicly disclosed this, that he's made a couple hundred grand uh, investing off a small base as well over the past year. It's all him, not me, obviously. Um, he's amazing. Uh, he started uh, this incredible company called GameReport.io. I interviewed him on my, my weekly. You can go back and check that out if you want to. He's great. Uh, he is familia. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, and then uh, uh, Abby Nandan wrote, um, what kind of MBA should I pursue if I want to learn about marketing? Yeah. So I, I provide it in, in, in my, my course, uh, my MBA program here. I, I have my own frameworks as well. Uh, to help you out with that, the HEV 15 marketing concepts. But probably the most reputable uh, marketing uh, university on the planet uh, is Kellogg, okay? uh, and that's uh, Northwestern. So Northwestern University, which is uh, in the state of, of Illinois, close to Chicago, uh, Northwestern University's uh, MBA school is called Kellogg. Yeah. They're great. Okay. Anybody get that reference? No? Okay. Uh, all right, uh, next up I've got uh, Michelle G. Michelle, how are you? Uh, Michelle is a, a graduate of, of Columbia University. She has an MBA in finance from Columbia, my, my alma mater, and she's in my, my MBA program this year. She's great, uh, and God bless you for making that introduction to, uh, for Arati as well. Very, very nice of you regarding that email that, that last night. Uh, so Michelle wrote, good morning, Chris. Good morning, how are you? Uh, can you go through an investment you were wrong with? Um, meaning overshot the 10-year forecast for price earnings. Uh, what did you learn from it uh, and what should we watch out for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, there's this company called Zolt, which makes carbon fiber. Um, and I overshot it. And, and I met with a CEO, Remy Zolt, too. And after that meeting, I should have told myself, back away. Um, but um, it's when I was doing uh, investments uh, in, in, in cyclicals and I was looking at inputs to... Um, uh, to the, Be the, the the Boeing 787, uh, the Dreamliner, which is made partially out of carbon fiber, the, the fuselage and the wings and stuff, and aluminum. And I, I was way too bullish on the market, way too bullish. And in, in hindsight, and, and I teach you all based on my, my many failures and my humble couple successes, but one problem I made uh, with that uh, forecast, my model, was I was so bullish on the industry in carbon fiber that the revenue I forecast in the future was bigger than the entire market, total addressable market. And obviously that is not logical at all. And that's why whenever my, my students forecast revenue and they're too bullish, being too positive, I always ask them for a sanity check or like the Senate, a sober second look. Um, is your revenue 10 years from now bigger than the entire market? So I was just too bullish there, yeah. Um, next up, uh, William wrote, uh, hi, big fan from Malaysia here. How are you? Great, great to see you. Uh, I bought your teaching package uh, uh, from Udemy. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. 
That's cool. Uh, and I was mentioned actually uh, in the, the Udemy uh, earnings call yesterday. I don't comment on, on Udemy stock as well. It'd be a conflict of interest, obviously. Uh, but but Greg, uh, uh, Greg mentioned um, my name, but more importantly, Vital, uh, who um, Vital is a student I met at, at a Udemy event. And Vital and I were building uh, a school in, in Rwanda. Um, and if you want to learn more about that, just go to, go to my website. Whoops, H-A-R. Uh, and then go here to Aboot and then Project Magoo. And uh, we, we had a, a GoFundMe campaign here. Somebody donated. I don't know how they donated because I took it down from our website because I'm absolutely disgusted with, with what uh, GoFundMe has done with Ottawa. Uh, but anyway, here's uh, you, you can learn more about Project Magoo here. Uh, and our next school we're, we're building uh, is in Kenya with Marin, who's on the call right now. Uh, and then Nigeria. Um, and, and these are all MBA students. Uh, Nigeria with, with Kemi Tade uh, as well. Uh, and her dad, uh, uh, Wale. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are. There's my, my son, Andrew. Uh, that's uh, Vital, um, and Andrew had them laughing there because what he did was he uh, uh, he was showing them Snapchat on on his phone. It, it was so much fun. Those kids were adorable too, man. We we had a blast. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, but some of you might be thinking, whoa, 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 Chris, what, what do you mean by uh, 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 GoFundMe? Uh, wh wh why are you making negative comments about a, a funding company? Well. A lot of these people in Canada that, that are rebelling uh, for human rights or for just fundamental freedoms, I should say, um, they, they raised $10 million on a GoFundMe campaign. And what, what happened was uh, GoFundMe decided not to give them that money. And it's a peaceful demonstration. Look, if, it ever, if it's ever not peaceful, I'm not a fan of what, what's going on in Canada with, with the rebelling. Um, but GoFundMe basically said you're not getting any of this money. It's ridiculous. So anyway... That's a good thing about not being sponsored by anybody. I can always speak my mind. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, next up, uh, Manas wrote, my mentor, uh, when will you be, uh, when will you interview a crypto guy or an NFT flipping dude? Uh, that will be dope and awesome. Uh, my mentor, it's my instinct, Chris, please. Uh, the, two of your interviews uh, will get around uh, 2 million views uh, soon. Oh, thank you. No, I appreciate that. Thanks. I, I don't go after views. I don't do sponsorships. It's all slow, manageable growth. And I always, always focus on the student only and not sponsors. The second I take start taking sponsorships, I don't put you first. So for example, whenever Microsoft advertises on IGN's website or a video game website, somehow those video game websites only say positive things about Halo. Yeah, so I wanna be focused on you. The second it becomes only about money is the second y'all should just say no more Haroon here. But I actually did uh, a bunch of NFT stuff. Just go. So if 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 you're interested in an NFT uh, a primer or NFT 101, what I recommend everybody do um, is uh, go to um, go go to my website. Okay. Whoops. Supposed to autofill. Here we go. Go to my website and just up here do a search on NFT. Uh, and there, there's a bunch of videos. Yeah. Metaverse, NFT, uh, NFT explained. Um, so so th this one here, uh, I did it I, I, probably last year. But anyway, you can learn more about NFTs here. And the way I explained NFTs in this video here uh, was I, I explained uh, baseball cards and the sports market as well. That's Mike Trout there. Uh, and how they issued uh, NFTs. That's Vladimir Guerrero from Toronto Represent. 
Um, and, and I talk about how NFTs run entirely on, for the most part, on the Ethereum platform. But anyway, check that out if you want to. You can always do a search on my website at the top there for any topic you want that you're interested in. Uh, and I've, I've probably covered it. Yeah. Okay. Um, next question is, uh, what are your thoughts on Axie Infinity or crypto gamers? Uh, have you play, played it or have you showed any interest in any of them? If yes, why? Uh, that, if no, why? Yeah. So if you want to learn about Axie Infinity, which is a, a video game company based out of Vietnam, uh, they've done incredibly well. Um, just what, what you should do is, is go here to my website. Okay. I, we talked about it for, in, at length, weekly webcast. And then you'll see Peyton down here. And Peyton, he's, he's, he's very well-spoken. He understands this stuff way better than I do. Uh, so, so he goes into a lot of detail on Axie Infinity here as well. And I, I don't do it justice, but anyway, he, he's, he's there. There he is. And he's just moving now from uh, San Diego. He's in the Navy. He's moved from San Diego to, to Oklahoma. Yeah, that's where his, his wife Hannah's from. All right. Um, uh, and Manas wrote, by the way, I tried to play Clash of Clans, but maybe it's not my, my, my thing. Yeah. And I played it with my kids year, years ago. Actually, I don't play anymore, but we went to Israel and I wanted them to, I don't know, appreciate castles, history, whatever. And so we played that together and Israel has great um, uh, uh, internet access. Yeah. Uh, Erkin, uh, John, regarding the, the coupon, thank you very much. You're, you're most welcome. God bless you way more. And so if anyone's interested in the coupon, just go to my, my website, uh, haroonventures.com. In the bottom right-hand corner, uh, there's a, a green uh, message box. Just say you're interested in uh, a discount on, on the MBA product. Yeah, thanks. And Manastro, uh, thank you very much, my mentor. Uh, God, God bless you and your family forever and ever. Thank you. Uh, your damn and mad are awesome. <laughs> I'm surprised you remember that, man. I mentioned that a couple of years ago. Uh, my, my kids are um, Matthew, Andrew, Dylan. That's Mad or Dan. Dylan, Andrew, Matt. That's how I remember their names. No, just kidding. AMD. Unlike an Intel chip. Yeah. Dude, now I get it. Now I'm getting older. Like, I understand, like, how my, my mom and dad couldn't remember our names. I got a brother, Jamie, and two little sisters, Katie and Elizabeth. And I remember my dad would call us or was mad or something. He'd say, Jamie, Chris, Kate, Elizabeth, come here, dinner. And my mom would do the same thing. Yeah. And when my mom was mad at me, she'd always say, Christopher, Andrew, get over here right now. I love you, mama. Okay. All right. Um, Carla wrote subtitles, uh, please. Yeah, subtitles, I think, are enabled on this. I, I could be wrong. One thing we, we've added, a new feature, and if it's not, I'll, I'll turn it on, I promise you. One thing we've added, which is a new feature, uh, is is if you go to our, our webcasts, um, you, you'll see that we, we added it so that you can actually, the titles of each question are here. You see that there? Right there. And the way you do that is you have to put zero, zero first for the call starts. And that, that's how it works, yeah. But I'll look into subtitles as well. But captions should, should be automatic, right? Yeah, there are captions. If, if you mean uh, subtitles in, in real time, um, let me look into that. I'll make this quick, I promise you, but it's important. Uh, let's go to uh, YouTube Studio, and, and I'll see where you can enable that. So this is what it looks like behind the scenes. Um, let's go to my content. Let's go to live. Uh, here we are here. Okay, and I'll go in here and see if, if, if subtitles are, are in here, yeah. This is what it looks like behind the scenes, by the way, for the dashboard, yeah, yeah. 
stream settings here. Yeah, I'll, I'll look into it later. Okay, thanks. All right, next question. And the thing about doing these calls is you can monitor in real time when the number of viewers goes down. So that's why I change topics sometimes, yeah. All right, uh, next up, Rose wrote, it, it's actually already happening. Uh, look up uh, Akon City. The singer Akon uh, is building his own cities in Uganda and Senegal uh, in collaboration with the government uh, and China. Oh, interesting, interesting. Um, is this that, and that's uh, uh, Web 3.0 based thing you're, you're talking about, right? Um, hold on one second here. Sorry, guys, one second. Okay. One second here. Okay. Give me, sorry, guys, one second. It, it, sometimes uh, YouTube does this. Yeah. This is where I lose viewers. That's okay. All right, and Rose wrote here, uh, they will be a futuristic city powered uh, by his newly released cryptocurrency, uh, Acoin, uh, and his solar lighting panels. The first cities expect to open in 2032. And we have solar on the roof uh, over at, um, uh, at, at the school we, we built in, in Rwanda. Uh, and it's, it, the solar is working, it's powering that in the church as well now, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, next up, Peter wrote, uh, Chris, is a war a good thing or a bad thing for the economy of a country uh, why so? Uh, thanks. Yeah. So obviously it's 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 always a, a terrible thing. Um, I know you went through in Ro Romania uh, before you were born, 1989. I think it was at Ceausescu. Uh, was he was assassinated one Christmas Day uh, as part of Perestroika Glasnost. Uh, but um, generally speaking, um, so war is awful, obviously. But usually, what happens is when there's anticipation of a war that's going to happen. Uh, markets hate uncertainty. And so stocks go down. And once the first, this is awful, but it is what it is. Once the first bomb drops in the war, stocks then go up. Because at that point, it's priced in. I know it sounds strange, but the market tries to price in events that are going to occur uh, in the future. Yeah. Um, and it kind of happened also with the statue of Saddam in like April or May 2003. You know, once it fell, you know, then the markets rallied. Yeah. But but some economies rally during war as well because governments spend a lot of money as well. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a yeah, it is what it is. But not all not all uh, countries are the same though. Yeah. Okay, Roy wrote, uh, hey, hey Roy, uh, I'm smiling when I see your name because I always think of my favorite TV show called Succession. Uh, and Roy was uh, I guess the family name there. Uh, so uh, Roy wrote, uh, hi, Chris, uh, good to see you. Likewise, uh, how does the Federal Reserve handle the dilemma of raising interest rates to fight inflation and its effect on the debt burden, considering that the U.S. Uh, uh, is, has the most debt in dollars? Yeah, yeah. So for many, many decades, people have been saying that the United States government has way too much debt. It's not sustainable. The country's going to go bankrupt. But the way it works, like and I think Thomas Jefferson said this as well, and the founding fathers did when they, they created the, the, you know, the, the country years ago, whatever, hundreds of years ago. They wanted to create a country where they're very, very good with the credit terms to the extent that they always pay back their debts. Okay, And so the U.S. has not missed a, a payment term. 
Yes, the debt is ridiculous here, but you're not supposed to run a country uh, like it's a business. I'm not saying this much debt is good. I don't think it is. But the lowest risk investment on the planet uh, is United States government uh, uh, bonds, treasuries. And I say that because it's a fact that when a lot of people create financial models all over the world, one of the inputs you have to use when you calculate uh, the value of future cash flows today, uh, one of the inputs you have to use is called the risk-free rate. And the risk-free rate uh, is the lowest risk investment in the world. And people use the American dollar. And quite often they use uh, LIBOR, or used to at least, which stands for London Interbank Offer Rate. Uh, but the United States dollar, it's people are always worried that the government's printing too much money and it's, defla it's, 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 it's awful for the value of the dollar because the amount of dollars printed has gone up 40% in the past two years, but every other country is doing it. And we'll know the U.S. is in big trouble from a debt perspective when other countries stop buying U.S. debt. Until that day, you know, the, the debt will continue to grow. In China, for example, which is the biggest purchaser of U.S. government debt, um, if China stopped buying U.S. debt, it would really hurt the U.S. economy, which would hurt China even more. You know, because China, you know, a lot of the stuff that we consume in America is made in China. It would hurt China more. And what China is doing is their long-term vision is to create an internally focused economy to the extent that they build up their consumer internally, so they're not as dependent on the United States. But as it stands right now, China has more to lose uh, if they stop buying U.S. debt. Yeah. Okay. Give me one second here. Uh, Jay Da wrote, happy birthday. Thank you. And thank you for those emojis. I appreciate it. Let me get some brekkie here. All right. Um, next up, Coaching Season wrote, uh, Hey, Chris, uh, I'm a graduate from your business plan course. Thank you. And due to your leadership and advice, uh, I've built uh, Coaching Season LLC. Thank you. Uh, I was wondering if, if you were still offering uh, office hours. Thank you. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. So, so this is office hours right right here. Yeah. I think during that course, I might have mentioned I have office hours, but this is what, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'm great to hear you. your business is going well. Thank you. Okay. Um, uh, next up, uh, uh, Jedi Dick Sensei wrote, uh, happy Valentine's Day. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Any Valentine's yet? Okay. Thank you. Four days. I got to, I have to order flowers for my wife. So I usually turn my watch around when I have to remember something. So later on when I look at my watch, I'm like, why is my watch turned around? Oh yeah. I got to order flowers for Christine. The problem is though, if you try to remember two things, you're like, I forgot everything now. It happens when you get older. Like I, I understand now why... Older people, when it comes to vitamins and pills, they have containers that say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sometimes you forget. Okay. Uh, and then coaching a season wrote, uh, um, oh, that's the same thing you pasted twice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then Chikov uh, wrote here, and Chikov's in my, my MBA program uh, this year. Uh, Chikov wrote, uh, hello, Chris, uh, greetings from Nairobi. Great, great to have you. Uh, I managed to get a meeting with the CEO of a big company yesterday. Uh, thanks for the mentorship. My, my pleasure. My pleasure. And I hope that meeting went well. I hope you bonded before business as well. Yeah. Excellent. Um, uh, and then uh, next up, uh, Bang wrote, uh, what is the fastest way uh, to earn short term? Yeah, there is, there's no way. There is, there's, 
you can't make a fortune by trading and being short-term focused. Otherwise, we know the names of very successful traders. Yeah. You got to be very long-term focused because short-term in business, you, you can't control uh, things out. Like you can't control geopolitical events. Like what might drive the market in the short term, you know, is, is Vladimir Putin's de decision on what to do with Ukraine. We can't focus on short term because we can't control it. Otherwise, as Nicholas Taleb said, you'll be fooled by randomness. You got to be very long term focused. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Ali wrote here uh, off topic, but what really, really causes wars or rumors of wars? Um, I understand in the past territories would fight for resources, but now with globalization in play, what really causes uh, war? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of problem areas around the world right now There's that, that are, are high risk of, of some sort of military action. Of course, one of them is, is, uh, is, is Ukraine. Um, you know, the, the other is, uh, is, is Taiwan. Uh, and then the Middle East, there's always issues there. And it always comes down to historically who owns or who has the rights to that land, who owns it. Um, and some governments, uh, they don't want to give in too much because it shows a sign of weakness, right? They kind of want to set a precedent. It is what it is uh, of showing that they're, they're strong and they'll never give up on property that was once theirs. Yeah. It's bizarre. It even happened with the Falkland Islands uh, back in the, uh, the early 1980s when Prince Andrew, who's going through a lot of problems now, obviously with Epstein, um, guy's such a liar. I don't know if you guys saw a television interview. But it happened with the Falkland Islands with, with Argentina, claiming the Falkland Islands is, here, is theirs. There was a war. Uh, Margaret Thatcher uh, sent uh, sent troops and uh, in, in a bunch of ships to the Falkland Islands back in the early 80s, which which helped the British economy, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Usually it's about land. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then Bang, uh, Bang wrote, I'd like your idea on earning uh, short-term investments uh, and, and what's the best way. Yeah. So I, I would say just, as I mentioned for another question earlier, always be long-term focused. Yeah. It's impossible to make money in a short-term basis because every month has 20 weekdays, which means 20 trading days, random stuff occurs. Yeah. Okay. Give me a second here. Next up, Demian, how are you? Uh, Demian is one of my amazing MBA students. Uh, uh, he is from uh, Venezuela, uh, but he lives uh, in Barcelona with his wife uh, and daughter. Uh, he's a great guy. Good to see you, bud. Uh, so Demian wrote, uh, good morning, Chris and family. Hope you're all well and all happy to learn from you. Uh, God bless you. God bless you much more and your wonderful family as well. Thank you. Uh, next, we have Ali, who graduated two years ago, wrote, my last question for today. Ask as many as you want, dude. Um, how can you simply, in layman's terms, explain the difference between in LLC, PLC, and holdings? I need to understand uh, what to register my business as. Yeah, I'm not the right person to ask about that. I'm not, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, you can go to LegalZoom.com uh, and hire a lawyer uh, for a low rate uh, and ask them. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have LegalZoom in your country, you can just type in what is the LegalZoom equivalent uh, in your country's name. Now, the way it works, though, with, with a lot of startups is a lot of startups will start out as an LLC. And LLC means limited liability corporation, which means your, your liabilities are limited. And you can't have that many owners of an LLC. 
And so private companies, once they get big, if they're backed by venture capital firms and they want to go public, they will transition to a C corporation from an LLC. Because with a C corporation, you have a lot more owners. Yeah. My business used to be an LLC. It's now an S corp. I'm not going to go there, but I get to pass a lot of taxes through it. It's kind of complicated, but it works for me. Yeah. My tax lawyer is great. Expensive. Yeah. But great. Like 700 bucks an hour now. It's crazy. Yeah. But he actually saves me a fortune. Yeah. Every time I talk to him, I'm like, no chit chat. Let's get right to the point, man. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Christina, how are you? Christina uh, is, is uh, the head of the uh, Haroon Education Ventures Alumni Network. She's our fearless leader. Uh, uh, Christina wrote here, uh, uh, good morning, Chris, and our amazing global webcast family. Hope you're having an outstanding week so far. Cheers, Chris. I'm at 10 a.m. water and 5,000 steps. That's great for this time of day. Awesome. It's amazing, actually. It's like 940. Incredible. Yeah. And so Christina and I, we, we compete, and a lot of students and I do, and I love this. It's competition to see if we can finish off one of these things of water every day and get tons of steps in. So I'm at uh, I'm at 10 a.m. actually, uh, right here. Uh, I've got my lock on it because I go to the gym sometimes and I bring my water bottle. And this is a reminder to go to the gym. Uh, in terms of steps, oh, you, you're, you're killing me, dude. There's, there's no way that I've got more than you today. Um, I have got, um, let's see here. So I've got uh, 178. And what I do is I wear my Apple Watch in my pocket because um, it, I can't count steps if I'm typing all day on this thing. And so what, what I've got here is, um, as many of you know, uh, is I've got this eight-foot desk here that, that moves. Um, and I bring it up so that when, when I do my steps uh, on my, my treadmill under here, um, my posture doesn't get messed up as well. Yeah. Oops, one second. All right, and if anybody has any questions, uh, type them uh, now, please. Um, otherwise, we, we can wrap up the, the call when there's no more questions. But either way works for me, whatever you guys want. All right. Okay, uh, uh, Mark, how are you? Uh, Mark goes by Satones, great guy. He graduated last year from my program. Uh, he's based in, in Detroit. Uh, Awesome dude, awesome dude. And my son actually might, uh, he might go to University of Michigan um, uh, for, under, we're not sure yet. It's up to him, obviously, yeah. Uh, but uh, Michigan, I, I love Michigan. But Mark wrote here, uh, hey brother, hope all is well with you and your beautiful family, thank you. Uh, I'm going to Arizona. Can you recommend something to keep uh, 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 keep my ears from popping? Okay, that's what that, that icon is, an ear, yeah. I don't know, I, I mean, I always have candy when I, when I travel and. I, this is the candy I have now. Just basically, it's it's. Well, I do this also for my my, my throat. If my I start losing my voice when I'm when, when I'm talking here, um, yeah, that's 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 it. Drink lots of water. That's that's all I know. I, yeah, yeah. I wear earplugs every single night too, every night. And, and I do because I used to live in New York City uh, on, on Broadway uh, on the ex express stop on the second floor, uh, 80th and 80th and Broadway or something. Yeah, and I still wear them every single night. Yeah. Okay, and I hope you, hope you have a great trip. And my brother just bought a place in Arizona. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, Christina wrote, Chris, I, I walked Isabella to school this morning. Uh, that's how you got those steps. That's amazing. Good for you, man. This early in the day, get 4,000 steps. God bless you. Um, you wrote, uh, I walked uh, since Christian, uh, uh, Christina's husband, who also graduated last year, 
has a milestone for work tomorrow, so he didn't uh, get to walk her to school today. That's so awesome that that he walks her to school every day. I had no idea you guys did that way with Isabel. That's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's see here. Um, and we just got a, a, another car, so Andrew's driving now to school. I got to tell you, man, when, when your son drives, like, yeah, you worry and stuff, um, but you, you can track it with find my iPhone, whatever, where he is. But it's getting easier. Like, he'll drop off Dylan to Playdates or whatever, my, my other son. And, and Matthew just got his his, uh, his his license as well. I'm scared. I don't want them to grow up. Okay. All right. Um, and, and then Demian wrote, uh, one question. Uh, there's an index uh, such as the VIX... Or is there an index such as the VIX for cryptocurrencies? Many thanks. Not that I know of. The VIX is great to use because the VIX measures uh, what the market expects volatility to be for the S&P 500 over the next 30 days. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and, and the S&P is the benchmark everybody uses yeah, for, the, for the markets and for the fear index as well. And, and when the uh, the VIX reaches 70 or 80, just back up the truck and buy no matter what. And I promise you, when that occurs, you're going to think, I'm crazy to buy stocks now. The world is ending. Things are never as bad as we think. And you always got to be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. Yeah. You, you got to be contrarian in business. Okay. Um, oh. So uh, uh, Christina wrote here, uh, I didn't get the 7.30 a.m. weekly office hours webcast uh, reminder this morning. Um, that's strange. Maybe, maybe you clicked unsubscribe. Did anybody else here not, not get it? So um, I'm going to go in and look here in my, my inbox. Hold on a second. See if I got it. Pretty sure I did. Yeah. And if anybody here did not get it, that usually gets the 7.30 or 7.40 a.m. Uh, reminder uh, of, of this webcast, uh, let me know. Um, no, I got it. I, I, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got it um, at 747. Um, I got it. No. But but if, if anybody else here usually gets it and doesn't get it, uh, let, let me know. That might explain why there's fewer people today, but who knows? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. And then you wrote... Uh, you did, uh, you, okay, you did get an email on Tuesday. Okay, cool. Um, uh, and, and then uh, Mark wrote, sweet, congratulations to you and your family too. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where, where Andrew wants to go. We'll see. The, the way that my, my son uh, judges what school to go to um, is, is based on the sports teams. Okay, uh, next up, uh, Bang wrote, uh, what is your suggestion for an online job? Uh, and then you wrote, by the way, I'm finishing your, your cryptocurrency course. Thank you. Yeah. So it, when it comes to side hustles uh, for online, I, I think that teaching is great. Um, it costs you nothing to do. You already have a camera, uh, your, your iPhone, whatever. Uh, and there's something you can teach about. Even even uh, Ninja, who uh, streams video games on Twitch, uh, he started out teaching online how to use Twitch. So everybody has a skill uh, that they, they can teach online. Um, what you can also do to get ideas on what to do online to make money is you can go to two websites. One of them is Fiverr.com, which is based in Tel Aviv. Uh, it's F-I-V-E-R-R.com. And you can look at gigs that people sell there. Maybe you can sell your own gigs as well or services online. 
And then there's another product, which is higher end, uh, which is called Upwork. Uh, up, and then W-O-R-K. And I, I just hired somebody from Upwork actually to help me with customize some of my APIs so I can get my, my different software platforms to talk to each other. Um, it's more expensive, but it's better. Yeah. Okay. But when you go to those two aforementioned websites, just think to yourself, is there anything I can do that other people are doing that I can sell as well? Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, we got Ali who wrote, uh, is deflation just theoretical or has there been a real example of a country that experienced deflation, meaning uh, inflation below 0%? Yeah, deflation occurs. It occurs. It, it, it's usually because uh, there's anemic demand within, within a country, but but it does happen. And there's something called stagflation as well, Yeah, which means a stagnant uh, economy where prices are falling. Yeah. Um, it's usually short-lived though, because once the government raises interest rates, uh, then inflation increases. Yeah. All right. Uh, Christina wrote, uh, Chris, uh, it's 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 a great father and daughter bonding time when you when when uh, you your husband uh, Christian uh, walks Isabella to school. Uh, they wake up early together. They have breakfast. I get her ready for school, uh, and then Christian walks walks her. It's awesome. It's smart because once your kid is twelve years old, statistically, you've already spent ninety percent of the time you'll ever spend with them. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Okay, so Ali wrote, uh, I got my reminder today. Uh, and then Rose wrote, I, I didn't get it either. Okay, that probably explains things today. Yeah, um, uh, I'll, I'll talk to my marketing team. This was my fault though, because I, I, I did the reminder email myself last night. Because uh, this, this marketing person is new and I, I took care of it. But it, that was my fault. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, thank you Rose for that as well. Uh, and so, uh, Ju Young wrote, uh, I finished the complete financial analyst training and investing course. And in there, you talked about being a value investor, a growth investor, and a GARP investor. Is being a GARP investor uh, relevant? Yeah, it's tough because people are usually one or the other, growth or value. So let me, let me explain the, all three. So there's different degrees of risk. Uh, Warren Buffett is a value investor. Okay, so uh, we'll think of a, a, a spectrum, okay, uh, risk, low risk, high risk. A value investor is what Warren Buffett is. And a value investor, what they usually do is they buy stocks that are very, very cheap. You know, cheap on a price to earnings basis or price to book basis. And they like to buy companies uh, that aren't growing that fast. Because if they were growing fast, they wouldn't be cheap. Okay, so that's those are value investors. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got growth investors. Okay, and, and growth investors are people that invest in companies that are growing quickly and those companies are expensive. So for, for years, I invested in Salesforce, ticker CRM, and Amazon. And yeah, they looked expensive at over 100 times earnings, but they were cheap on my earnings estimates 10 or 15 years out. So that's that. There, there's growth investor, there, there's value investor. Now, in between, there's something called GARP. And GARP stands for growth at a reasonable price. It means you're stuck between value and growth. You're here, okay? Most people, though, are actually value or growth. And usually students in university are value because they're taught, you know, buy cheap stuff. Um, and then once you get some work experience, you might transition to become a growth investor. I used to be a value investor. And Warren Buffett actually came in and taught one of my classes at Columbia uh, and we have another Columbia graduate here today, uh, the business school graduate, Michelle G. Uh, uh, Michelle, let me know if, if, if Buffett can teach one of your classes as well, because Buffett went to Columbia years ago. Yeah. 
So I was more a bit more of a value investor. And I started working, I realized, hey man, I wanna buy stuff that's growing quickly because I can create a financial model and value company a decade from now, which I teach my MBA students. So most people are either value or growth based. And there's not that many GARP investors, meaning in the middle. So what usually happens is this. A company starts out as, 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 a, as a growth stock right here, okay? And it's growing, it's doing great, and eventually it gets too big and it can't grow anymore. Like the US economy, it used to be a growth economy, but it's just too big now. It's the biggest economy in the world. And given the law of large numbers, it'll never grow more than a couple percent every year. And so eventually what happens with growth investments is growth slows. And because growth is slowing, value, value investors, or growth investors don't want to own anymore. And value investors won't touch it because it's not cheap enough yet. So what happened is it slowly moves from growth to value over a decade or so. And it happens to every, every uh, company, okay, that's growth. And that transition, I'm showing you slowly, that transition, I, I refer to it, this is something I came up with called investor purgatory. And investment purgatory means nobody wants to buy it because it's, it's, it's in the middle now. It's not growth and it's not value. And so you never want to own a company that's slowly transitioning from growth to value because the two biggest types of investors, growth investors and value investors, won't buy it. And so this is where private equity comes into play. And so private equity firms uh, are firms that basically will buy publicly traded companies that are undervalued. They'll make them private and they'll change them. They'll fix things and they'll either, you know, break it up into pieces or make it a value investment. And then they'll take it public again. And so what private equity firms can do is they can truncate that entire no man's land or investment purgatory uh, phase. They can shorten it. It's a, a great example is with, with eBay. So eBay, it was a wonderful growth stock. And I remember I worked at Goldman Sachs on the trading floor when, when Goldman took them public back in, um, I think it was October of 1998. It was amazing. Pierre Omidyar, who's the founder, uh, was on the floor. He had a ponytail. Uh, he was there with his girlfriend and Meg Whitman, who was the CEO, adult supervision at the time was there. And at 10 a.m. that day, back in October of 1998, um, I remember they went public uh, and he became a billionaire, I saw it, and he took his girlfriend on the trading floor and kissed her and all the traders went nuts. So eBay was a growth stock for years. It was growing really, really fast. And then what happened was eBay didn't really grow anymore. Growth was slowing a lot, the auction business, and it, it's a low growth business now. And what happened was as eBay's growth was slowing, um, they tried, they knew that was happening. They tried buying a bunch of companies and some of them were moronic investments. They bought Skype because they thought that, hey, more people are gonna do option or uh, do auctions and talk to each other. <laughs> that didn't pan out. So eventually uh, Skype was sold to Mark Andreessen who uh, then, then took it and, and sold it to Microsoft to keep Microsoft Outlook relevant longer term. And so they tried something else. What they did was they actually bought, um, they bought PayPal, which was brilliant. And they bought PayPal in 01 or 02, yeah. Um, actually, no, I think it was 2000. They bought PayPal. And so eBay thought, hey, in the future, more people are going to do auctions and want to pay each other using online payments. And they were right. They nailed it. It was a brilliant acquisition. Uh, and PayPal is actually at the epicenter 
of every great startup in the Bay Area uh, because the PayPal mafia, meaning people that started PayPal or worked there, are the who's who now in the Bay Area. Like Elon Musk started, um, he worked at PayPal early on. He wasn't a, he was co-CEO. He wasn't a, the founder though. Uh, Peter Thiel started there. Max Levchin started there. Um, uh, Reid Hoffman, the, the co-founder of LinkedIn, started there. And many other people, did. The, the founder of Yelp, Sopelman, and many others. And so it's called the PayPal Mafia. They kind of secretly run the value of the valley. They're, they're, they're amazing, yeah. Um, and, and so what happened, though, was, was eventually eBay's marketplace business, the auctions, growth slowed materially, okay? And it wasn't really growing anymore. But PayPal was growing like crazy, which was part of eBay. And I remember I did a ton of research on the company over the years, and I thought, my goodness, if they just rename the company PayPal, more growth investors would buy and the stock would go up a lot. But what happened was, was this. Nobody wanted to own eBay stock anymore, like 10 years ago or so. Because growth investors didn't want to own it because they, they didn't want to uh, own part of the sleepy auction business that's not growing but they, they were interested in PayPal. And value investors didn't want to own eBay because they were like, well, I like the auction business. It's slow growth and it's great cash flow because you know during recessions, people sell more used stuff. But this PayPal business is, is, is kind of a growth investment, it's high growth, it doesn't really fit for us. And so what happened was uh, private equity firms got involved and they bought the company. And what they did was when you buy a big stake in a company, not the whole company, they bought a big stake in the company, they joined the board. Okay, Carl Icahn. Okay, he's a, he's a private equity guy. He joined the board. And because he owned a lot of the company, he was able to get rid of certain people. Uh, John Donovan, who's a, the CEO, I met him many times. Great guy. I, I love him. Um, whenever I meet him, I shake his hand. He's, he's so tall. He came from Bain. Uh, but so John wasn't there anymore. And so they broke up the company, the private equity firm. Uh, and so Carl Icahn broke up the company into two separately traded vehicles. One is eBay, which value investors love because they're just owning eBay now, the auction business. And the other one was PayPal, which growth investors love because growth investors like stuff that's growing quickly, obviously. And so what happened was the value of those two companies independently was much higher than eBay when eBay owned before the deal when eBay owns a PayPal. And so the bottom line message there is that you're either a growth investor or a value investor and never invest in a company that's transitioning from growth to value because it's the likelihood that stock's gonna go up within a, a quarter, a year, whatever, is very, very low. It takes 10 years to transition from growth to value unless a private equity firm gets involved to truncate or shorten uh, that amount of time it takes to go from uh, uh, value or growth to value. Holy, you're thinking, I asked, a, I asked Chris a yes or no question. He gave me a whole encyclopedia. What's up with that? Okay. Uh, give me one second to see where, where you guys are at here. Okay, next up, uh, Christina wrote, and thank you all, by the way, for the feedback uh, on if you got the email uh, message. So usually uh, we send out an automated message uh, at like 7.40 a.m. my time before this call starts. And a bunch of people said they didn't get it today, which might explain why there's fewer people, but it's all good. That was my fault, not my team. All right, next up, Christina wrote, uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on Warren Buffett's opinions uh, when he said, I don't have any Bitcoin, I don't own any cryptocurrency, I never will. Yeah. So it's 
it's not surprising because Warren Buffett is a value investor, right? Uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, those are growth investments. Um, and I remember back uh, in uh, December of 1999 when Warren Buffett came to campus at Columbia University. And there was a guy in the class with me uh, uh, during that class. He, he started pitching Warren Buffett a tech stock. And Warren Buffett very politely, very politely interrupted the guy. Um, you know, 30 seconds into his, his pitch on the tech stock, the growth stock. And he said, son, I'm going to stop you right there because I don't know where this company is going to be product cycle wise in one and a half or two years. I just don't know. And so I won't invest in what I don't understand. And I remember the time people thought, oh my God, he's crazy. Why would Buffett not invest in this stock? It's a great stock. And then four months later, three or four months later, by March of 2000, the market peaked, the NASDAQ uh, peaked. And we all thought, oh my God, Buffett's a genius. So yeah, um, Buffett doesn't really invest in growth companies and, and cryptos are, are growth right now. Yeah, he's a value investor, not a growth investor. Yeah. But eventually uh, uh, Buffett did start investing in companies that became value investments um, like Apple and Microsoft, et cetera. Yeah. Okay, uh, and then and a lot of senior executives at big banks have said that cryptos are a joke you know, like uh, Jimmy Diamond from uh, J.P. Morgan, who's a great CEO, I love him. Uh, but for years he said crypto is all hype, whatever. And, and now J.P. Morgan and every other financial services company on the planet are embracing cryptos because their clients are. Yeah. Next question is from MP, who wrote, Chris, why did you name uh, your company uh, Haroon Education Ventures? Uh, don't you want to change the name to something like Haroon Business School, et cetera? Uh, that kind of name uh, um, uh, brings CV. It looks more professional, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I started out. Um, so when I left the venture capital industry to do what I'm doing, uh, I created this holding company um, and I wanted to invest uh, in a lot of ed tech startups as well. Um, and so I had to have my name in it. I had a word education in it uh, and ventures as well, um, because I don't just do one thing. Right. So it's kind of an umbrella company. And I just kind of kept it, yeah. But I own like, um, like if you do, if you go to HaroonMBA.com, I own that. Um, if you go to HaroonEducationVentures.com, I own that, which is too long. I don't use that. If you go to Haroon Education, I own that. If you go to Haroon Capital, I own tons of them. I also own, because of Christina told me, uh, I paid 10 bucks to own, uh, to get access to DayOneAndNotOneDay.com. I also own an entire MBA, OneCourse.com. Um, I also own mbametaverse.com. I own tons of URLs that, that point directly to here. Yeah. Yeah. But fair point. Fair point. Uh, Haroon Business School is HBS. Uh, and two-thirds of, of HBS is BS. You could say that for Harvard Business School, not mine. Yeah. But but fair point. Fair point. And we're actually rebranding right now. Uh, and we're redoing this entire studio. Um, so uh, what we're going to be doing is... Um, we're getting a logo on the wall. It's going to be white. Um, uh, it's It'll look cool. We have couches here as well. Uh, kind of like more of a, an informal uh, interview setting. Yeah. Okay. And I'm excited about it. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, thank you so much for, for that comment, though, MP. I, I'm with you. My marketing team is with you as well. Yeah. It's been a while, man. Great to see you. I remember the first time I saw you in this call years ago, I said that when I was at Accenture, I, I mentored this guy named Himanshu. 
um, uh, and and he was uh, originally uh, from uh, from India. Then he moved to Russia. Then he came to Canada, United States, uh, all through Accenture. And he was a good guy. I remember that. Yeah, and you're the first person I met named uh, Himantru since then. Yeah, and I humbly got an award actually at Accenture that year for the uh, the the number one humbly number one mentor at, at the company. Yeah, and I mentored Himantru. I hope he's doing well. Uh, and so Himantru wrote, after so long time, I'm watching this live. I'm feeling excited. Great to see you. Thank you. Uh, you wrote, hi, Chris. Uh, I'd like to know uh, about what crypto should I invest in? I made 50% profit within just two days uh, on my investment. Yeah. So th th thank you for the question. And it's great to see you again. So I believe in, in teaching my students how to fish uh, instead of providing them with a fish. And so I, I actually don't tell people what to buy, but I have publicly disclosed in the past what four cryptos I own, uh, which are you know Bitcoin, Litecoin, uh, as well as Ripple and, and Ethereum. Yeah. Great to see you. Great to see you. I missed you. Okay. Uh, next up, uh, Christina wrote here, uh, Chris, yes, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk is all in on NFTs and the crypto world for the future. I love his interviews on his take on NFTs. Yeah. And the great thing about Gary actually is he's intellectually honest about the whole process and transparent as well to the extent that he says, look, it, it is a bubble and a lot of these will go nowhere uh, in the long run but there are a handful that will do extraordinarily well. Yeah, and with all brand new markets, growth markets, you know, all ships rise, including a lot of, a lot of crappy investments, kind of like with tulip bulbs in, in the 1600s. History does repeat itself. Patricia wrote, uh, uh, just too funny. Uh, I always laugh at, uh, with, with you, by the way. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And Patricia, you'll, you'll laugh at this. So I, I remember years ago, I wrote in an email, my mom was on the email list too, um, WTF. And so my, my mom wrote me an email back. She replied to me. She didn't reply at all. And she's like, honey, what, what is, what is WTF? And I said, it, it stands for, oh, why the face? And then my mom with all of her bridge partners, right? They were playing bridge. And, and every now and then she'd say, oh, WTF. And all of her friends were like, Jackie, why do you keep saying that? Why the face? Yeah. My mom wasn't happy with me. Yeah. And I don't think my parents are happy with me too because they, they got a text. They said, do you have any good new shows to watch that are light and funny? And I said, yeah, there's this great show called Yellow Jackets. Force yourself to watch the first five episodes though. It gets even funnier. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed this call. Um, if anybody's watching the replay, sorry that we didn't send an email out to everybody. Um, uh, uh, but um, we'll, we'll fix that next week. That was my fault, not my, my, my new marketing guy. Uh, Nicholas wrote here, I'm loving your options course. Uh, thank you. Uh, question, how long did it take you to do all those uh, Legos? Yeah, do, okay, so that, that course, man, it took, it, it, was, it was rough. I'm, I'm faster at, at creating courses now, but what, what I did was, um, <clears throat> that whole course took me, let's see, I started working on it when I went to Rwanda, uh, July, and I worked on it every <clears throat> every Wednesday and Friday. No, every Friday I worked on it, and then uh, a couple hours here and there on Mondays and Tuesdays. Uh, so that was between July and, and beginning of November. But I'm getting faster at this stuff now too, and and I use a lot of props as well. And this the, the way to do these props is you got to make sure that if you get um, uh, if you print this out the labels here, you got to make sure. I made every mistake there is to make. 
uh, the, the the type of, of, of cartridge you put in is matte, so it so it doesn't um, so it's not glossy at all. And, and what I'm doing actually for my um, for my, my programming course coming up soon, I want to teach my MBA students how to code anything. Um, is uh, I, I have all these props as you know, and it hit me. I spent all this money on props, and it's fun. Wouldn't it be more fun if I had a 3D printer making the props? So I'm going all out on, or all in, whatever you say, with, with, on 3D printing. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's experimental for me. Uh, I love using props, as you know. I've been using props forever. This is an Intel chip. We did a case study on Intel uh, years ago. Uh, but um, yeah, that's the next step as, as we move forward. And we're also moving forward with respect to um, um, uh, experimenting with the metaverse. So 3, 3D printer metaverse stuff as well, which will be fun. Earlier on today, I had somebody from Lebanon on the call. Um, and I just happened to have this here, one of my props or one of my books. So uh, this here was actually a gift uh, from uh, John Mack, uh, the CEO of, uh, he was the CEO of Morgan Stanley, wrote me a nice little note as well and sent this to me. Um, re really nice guy, yeah. Your heritage is important. And for years, when it came to my, my Arabic roots, I never really, I don't know, I didn't really tell anyone. I'm always proud of what, you know, what I am, obviously. Uh, but I remember after, even after 9-11, I was on this no-fly list uh, for forever, which sucked. But I remember going to um, LaGuardia when I worked at Goldman. Um, and, you know, the lineups were crazy long after 9-11. And I would always go to the front of the line. And I'd say, listen, I'm on that list. I don't know why. I'm on that list. And they'd just give me an extra pat down. Um, and they'd always say, uh, do you want a man or a woman to pat you down? I said, well, a woman. Um, an extra pat down, whatever. Um, and I just kind of, I didn't have to wait in the lineups. And I just kind of went to the first class lounge. And I was, you know, had an extra beer, kind of chilling out. Um, and, and, it, and it happened actually uh, again for me um, after 9-11 in, in Germany. I would go to um, Frankfurt. Uh, and then drive to Waldorf for me with the CEO of, uh, of SAP. Uh, and then in Germany, they, they'd ask me about like my race. Like I, cussed, like I was, and, and of course I was visibly upset about that. Um, and then I started embracing my, 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 my background more. So I've always been proud of it. Um, and it actually helped me a lot in business. Um, and I was able to, to bond with people that are you know, Middle Eastern as well. Um, went to Dubai, raised a ton of money there, did a lot of business there and, Met John Mack because I'm part Lebanese as well. So you always want to, always want to be proud of your roots and embrace them from a networking perspective as well. Um, and, and I always recommend that, you know, find something in common with people before before you meet with them. So, um, it, and I talk about this as well. It, you can go to my website and download my my networking book. Um, but I'm able able to raise a lot of money, um, and get a lot of uh, deals done and get investors, customers, whatever, by kind of, I don't know, like leveraging my roots and, and, and I'm proud of my roots. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I felt proud yesterday interviewing, uh, or the video is coming out tomorrow with Zaid Ayub, uh, who's from Jordan. He's one, he's one of my, one of my people, uh, um, it, it, as well. Yeah. I miss, I miss Middle Eastern food from home. My mom makes the, the best couscous. My dad too. My dad uses lime, not, not lemon. All right, uh, hold on a second. Okay. 
Uh, next up, M Michelle wrote uh, here. Uh, Michelle, oh, oh, that's right. Michelle, Michelle also graduated from uh, from Columbia, but uh, MBA school like like me. Year, uh, but she's way way younger than me. Uh, 2013, I think. Right, I was back in the year the year 2000. Um, uh, and then I asked earlier, uh, Michelle, if if Warren Buffett also came to your class to teach. Um, and then you wrote, uh, Chris uh, Buffett came to Columbia Business School. But I'm not sure if if he taught a class. Uh, it was competitive uh, to just have lunch with him. Uh, he's a celebrity uh, for the value investing program. Only the cool kids got to see him. They put a smiley face. Yeah, yeah. And I remember uh, Michelle. I had a Professor Greenwald. I'm sure you had as well. And so Greenwald, he's this value investing icon, larger than life. Don't read too much into that comment. Uh, but I remember during one class, he, dude, it was one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. He he tore me to shreds in front of 300 students. I was in his value investing class, which I'm sure you took. Um, it's one of the most popular classes at, 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 at Columbia. And um, he asked me, he said, well, what, what's your favorite investment? And I'll never forget, I said eBay at the time because I had worked also at Goldman on the eBay IPO, right? eBay IPO. And he made fun of me. He, he said, oh, what are you gonna, you're gonna sell little Pez dispensers? Is, is that really an investment? But he tore me to shreds, like it ridiculed me uh, in front of 300 of my classmates. And he had them laughing at me, but in a really cruel way. You know, so fuck you, Greenwald. Sorry, but I did say that out loud and, and I meant it. Yeah. Uh, and I remember I went home that I uh, called Chris, uh, Christine, my wife. Uh, she was my, my girlfriend at the time. And I was like, it's, I got humiliated. Um, yeah. But anyway, and that, that bullying video that I, that I released, if you go to the top of my LinkedIn profile on corporate bullying, I was thinking of him. Yeah. Even though it wasn't a corporation, it was a school. Yeah. But he is a great teacher. I, I got to say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A little bit too transparent there. I know too much information, but yeah. And whenever I've been mismanaged or treated poorly in my career, like a business perspective, you know, I always, uh, I always tell myself, you know, what I've learned from this is I will never treat anybody that poorly in my life. All right. And if anybody out there got bullied or is getting bullied right now in a corporate setting at work, good. And I say with love my heart, because let me help you. Let me help you change careers. Let me help you get that job of your dreams. Let me help you embrace that frustration so that you can live your life in your own terms and get a better gig or, or start your own company. That's, that's, that's my, my raison d'etre, my purpose, my passion. That's why I'm here. Okay. All right. Uh, Nicholas wrote, uh, thanks for sharing. You're, you're most welcome. Okay. Next up, uh, Christina wrote here and give me a second here. Um, Chris, did you get the, uh, the, the Oculus Quest 2 and start beta testing Horizon workrooms for the MBA program in the metaverse? I, I have, um, I have the, uh, the, 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 we have an Oculus. I don't think it's, it's Quest 2. Uh, we bought it, you know, for one of our st staycations uh, during COVID. Uh, and I remember justifying it saying, okay, we'll buy it because you know we're not gonna be able to leave the house anyway. Um, and I, I gotta say, uh, Mark Zuckerberg's uh, uh, view of, um, uh, of, of what the metaverse is gonna look like, um, he released a, a two hour video on, on YouTube, I watched it all. Basically his vision is, if you put on Oculus, right? The goggles, which I have upstairs, this is for the Switch. But if you put these things on, you start off in uh, you know your your home room, so to speak, 
right? Which is basically, it's similar to what I showed with, with um, spatial.io last week on the webcast. It's your house, you got a nice view of the mountains, you got a fireplace, and you can teleport to other rooms as well. And it looks exactly like spatial.io. The problem is that whenever I use the Oculus product, which again is upstairs, I actually get dizzy after half an hour and I can't keep doing it. You know, when I, when I first put them on, you know, I'm like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. Look at this. I can watch Netflix on this screen here. You know, I, I can play this, this laser game and, you know, kind of, I have small hands, sorry. I can play this, this laser game and it's kind of fun. And then I get dizzy and I stop using it. They've got to find a way to make it so that you don't get dizzy. And so I think that uh, Web 3.0 is not just going to be VR based, right? It's a big misconception. I think it's going to be like what I showed you guys with Spatial last week. So with that with last week's webcast, when we walked around together and went into separate rooms, you could you could actually have used the Oculus app, the Oculus app for Spatial, and walked around as well, or you can just walk around, you know, using the arrow keys on your keyboard and look at your monitor. So that's a lot of people think you need to have VR headset for Web 3.0. You don't, you don't, yeah. But they got to solve the issue of it. It kind of making you feel dizzy. All right, uh, but I like what Nintendo is doing. So Nintendo is always very, they're careful with, with brand new technologies. Like they didn't have internet capabilities uh, on, on, on any of their, their platforms really until the Wii U, which is a disaster. Um, but they're kind of testing out a VR like, like this as well. And, and the way they're doing it is uh, there's this product called uh, Nintendo Labo. It's cardboard, which is kind of like the first cardboard VR headsets you've seen for, for Oculus, or pardon me, for, for iPhone and Android handset. And so what you do is you take the switch and you put it in here, okay? And then you just look through these things and certain games have certain levels where it's it's like a product extension. So if you're playing Mario Odyssey, which is a masterpiece, um, but if you're playing Mario Odyssey, there's certain levels that you can only do when you're wearing this thing as well, right? But but I, I kind of like it. I don't, I don't feel dizzy using this product uh, um, versus the, the Oculus, yeah. It'll be fun. We get to invent the future together when it comes to education and stuff. Okay. Um, uh, next up, uh, uh, MP. And, and speaking of Horizon, um, Horizon Zero Dawn Part Two comes out really soon. I'm, I'm gonna. I'll be getting that for sure, man. It'll be fun to hunt dinosaurs in the future. Yeah. All right. I'm still playing God of War though on my my PS5. It's an oldie. The next God of War comes out in a couple months. Yeah, should be fun. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, and then uh, MP wrote, uh, Chris, thank you for, for everything. And then you have a couple of beers doing cheers. I don't drink anymore, but I don't drink any less. Uh, you wrote, uh, it, it's, it's about a going concern for your company. Uh, I noticed the only key person in your company is you. Uh, if something happens, uh, how will you make sure uh, you're going uh, concerned? God forbid you have emoji. Thanks. Yeah, so I'm worth more dead than alive, um, my wife says, because my life insurance policy. Just kidding. Might be true. So, yeah, I mean, I don't want to, like with this business, I don't want to, my, my vision isn't to have insane growth overnight. You know, if, if I focus on growth, 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 uh, the way to grow is you get sponsors, right, for cash flow to be able to, I don't know, grow and stuff. I want to be focused always from day one on you, the students. Always. Always. And if you think about it, I've done, you know, 171 webcasts times an average of 
four or five hours because the webcast used to be very, very long. So we're getting close to a thousand hours of me doing these live weekly webcasts. And it's not, it's not the most efficient way to run a company, you know, not getting paid for doing stuff. Um, but I enjoy it. And it's not about money because the second it becomes about money is the second I don't want my students to ever take a course of mine again. You know, I put my students' careers and happiness first and profitability a distant second. And yes, I know that means that my company might never scale as much as it could, but that's just not me. And so some people say, why don't you bring other other people onto your platform uh, to teach as well and you can make a platform uh, and, and have this as the quintessential uh, business school with other teachers on the platform. It's not my not my style. It's not. If I was if I had board members and I don't I own the entire company myself, who are in education mentors I own, hundred percent. If I had board members, they they might tell me I need to grow and that'd be a lot of pressure and I wouldn't be putting you first as students. I wouldn't have time for this. So that's just what I want to do. Just just who I am. Yeah. Um, like if you look at Tony Robbins and he's great. He's amazing. Um, but the way that he kind of scales his business is you go to his conferences and they're expensive, right? It, but they're worth it. I think they're great. Um, but when you're at that conference, um, I want to be careful how I say this because I, I, I love him so much. He's done a lot for me and I've met him a bunch of times. He invested in one of my companies. He's great. But when you go to those conferences, there's a lot of upselling and cross-selling that goes on, trying to sell you stuff in the back of the room. And there's also other people that teach you at those conferences uh, and not just Tony. And it might be that way because he has investors that are so focused on growing a company a lot. But if I were to do that, I'll speak myself, it might dilute my value add to you. And, and if that means that I won't have high growth and, you know, my YouTube channel is not massive because I won't take I won't take any uh, endorsements, then so be it. Because once you start taking endorse, endorsements, and yes, I'm a big time capitalist, okay? Once you start taking endorsements, then you don't put the customer first. So I'm always laser focused on my students. Yeah. Never, like dollars come second. And I know that, that that strikes people the wrong way because I'm running a business and I'm teaching business school as well. But I always think of my heart first and this second. And the second this comes about just making money, then forget it. It's over. It's over. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in terms of what happens, uh, if God forbid something happens to me, well, like we, we've done... I mean, well enough. Like, I don't have to work humbly. Um, feel uncomfortable saying that, but I've I've made a bunch, whatever. Um, so we could shut down tomorrow. We'd be fine. But for me, it's just, I don't know, it's just something I want to do. Yeah. And I got offers before by, by Forbes magazine. They, they approached me and said, um, let's talk about making this the Forbes Haroon MBA degree program. It's It's so tempting, man. It's so tempting. But you can't do that if you want to put the customer first, right? So I'm always laser focused on the customer. Just like um, uh, you can go back and watch an interview from Jeff Bezos from the 1990s. He said that um, you know a company's success in the long run is completely aligned 
and highly correlated with customer service. And a company is only as good as this customer service. Yeah. If I focus on money only, then I won't be happy. And if I'm not happy, my students won't be happy. Yeah. Okay. Of course, I have to generate revenue to pay my staff and stuff as well. But at the same time, I want to do it with, with an open heart. Okay. Uh, Christina wrote, uh, uh, Chris, uh, I'm going to get Saj for dinner tomorrow. Great Saj Mediterranean. That's awesome. Uh, I still remember how delicious the Saj uh, catering uh, at our MBA graduation alumni uh, uh, reunion event was. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. And that full interview will, be, will drop tomorrow. Okay. Uh, and then Tim, uh, uh, Tim wrote, I love it, Chris Karma. Yeah. That's right. Also, if you give, like if you help people, and this has been the story of my life, if you help other people and you do it because you really want to, beautiful things happen later in life. It comes back to help you. You can't do it just because you want something in return. But every success I've had in my life, my many successes, and I've had a lot of failures too, but my many successes, a lot of them come because I've helped other people. So imagine that. You have customers and you help them. You help them grow their business, whatever. You help them change to be more successful. And you don't do it for money. It will come back to help you in the long run. You know, give and you'll receive. It's prophetic. And it's been true since the beginning of time. Okay. Uh, and then somebody wrote here, uh, should I invest in uh, Dramamine stock? Yeah, I don't know anything about that company, sorry. But I provide you all the tools to think about that in my courses and stuff, yeah. Okay. Um, and then Rose wrote here, uh, Rose is from uh, Virginia. Uh, she wrote, uh, there's a company actually making virtual reality contact lenses. Oh, interesting. So you won't have to use the VR goggles. Uh, they've been working on it for, for about eight years now. Very cool, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a ton of sense, actually, yeah. Huh. Interesting. And my son, Matthew, um, he just got contacts. Uh, and, and of course, he fought it at first. Everybody does. Um, but uh, he could have gotten glasses if he wanted to try something different. Uh, but uh, he was like, oh, my God, it's unbelievable. It, it's like, like, imagine if this was always in the lowest dimming setting. Always. Like, for your whole life. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm blind and now I can see. It, it's, it's like that. It's like that. So, but with contacts, uh, with, with uh, IoT-based contacts, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I think that augmented reality is going to be bigger than we expect. Um, and, you know, companies like Intuitive Surgical, ticker ISRG, and others have been using augmented reality a lot. Um, with Microsoft HoloLens, for example. So you wear these goggles, right? Uh, it's kind of like Google Glass. Um, and people used to wear Google Glass. People would call them glass holes. I'm not going to go there. Uh, like people would wear them into theaters and stuff and pissed off people, whatever. I'll stop now. But with Google Glass, it, it was kind of like that. Like you'd wear them and then you'd look up in the top right corner. You'd see the screen up there. That's what HoloLens is. And let, let me show you HoloLens. Let, let's, let's go there together. Hold on one second. All right. So HoloLens, so, so Microsoft uh, bought this, the, 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 this company that makes HoloLens uh, years ago. Uh, and, and for years, people have been trying to, to buy their way into this VR industry. Same thing, uh, Facebook bought Oculus. Um, Google invested uh, in a company called Magic Leap in Florida for augmented reality. Uh, let's go to HoloLens. And I wrote an article about this back in, um, 
in Wired magazine years ago uh, about how they're going to use HoloLens with their acquisition of Mojang, the parent company of, of, of Minecraft. Um, but let's check it out here. So initially, this was going to be a consumer product, but Microsoft kind of rebranded them uh, for, for enterprise use. They cost a couple thousand bucks each, okay? Uh, but you can be used in all industries. Look at that. It, it, you really see it. It looks just like that as well. See there? Yeah. Um, and they've got it small enough so that the, the electronics are on the back of your head uh, as well. You, you can't really see it, but it's hidden under her ponytail or something. But they actually, that, that is exactly what they see. Right, so um, I, I think augmented reality is going to be bigger than VR because with augmented reality, you don't get dizzy because you can actually see real life in front of you uh, as well. Yeah. Um, so here it is here. Um, let's take a look together. It's be fun. Yeah. Yeah, so it's used in the manufacturing industry. Look at that. Isn't that dope on a rope? I love that. Yeah. And the same thing with, with surgery. People are doing this as well. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, 90% increase in efficiency. Yeah, manufacturing sectors is really big into this uh, right right now. Yeah, so Microsoft owns this, but, but initially years ago, they talked about kind of incorporating this into Minecraft, right? So um, they're, they're expensive, right? And only big companies buy them now. A couple grand, I think. Let's see the pricing point. The pricing point will get a lot lower too, uh, eventually. Oh, they got three different SKUs. I didn't know that. All right, so it probably goes cheaper and more expensive, right? Let, let's see here. And you got bundles. I'm sure they sell you software with it as well. All right, let's 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 see if we can buy it uh, in the Microsoft Store. I'm not going to buy it, obviously, but let's look at the pricing point. Okay, sign me up. Yeah, 3500 bucks. Yeah, it, it, it's pricey. Yeah, so they, they haven't really gone after the consumer market with it because initially what they wanted to do, uh, let's go Minecraft, is they wanted to make the consumer product back in 2013. Yeah, and even look at that, E3 in 2015, they showed a demo of that. And E3 is the annual video game convention I used to go to uh, in, uh, in in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. So here it is here, yeah. Um, and yeah, um, it, and I wrote an article about it actually uh, in, um, uh, in VentureBeat and in Wired Magazine. They used this image on it back then. So this here was uh, Minecraft. You can build you can build all of your living room using HoloLens. Let's take a look now at Google strategy. So Google uh, invest, they, they tried Google Glass, which I don't know why they gave up on it too early. They should, kept, they should have kept at it. They were too early in the market. But uh, Google invested in a company called um, Magic Leap. Uh, and they invested 500 million bucks in this company uh, based in Florida. Um, the metaverse is already here. Oh good, they rebranded, nice. All right, this product is pretty pretty cool, but but again, everybody's going after for now just the the corporate sector because these things are, are way too expensive. Um, but it's th this this product is probably the coolest one out there, but I'm sure it, it's wicked expensive. Uh, but but I remember seeing um, a, a demo uh, of this years ago, right? So let's go to uh, elephants. Actually, hold on a second. Whale magic leap. This video, um, yeah, here it is here, 2016, that they came out with this. It's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, let me see if I can go here. Here it is here. So right here, this is this is what, what, what Magic Leap used back in 2000, it's actually 2013 initially. Uh, and so you're watching the, oh my God, this taking 8 million years for this to, yeah. Right there, there it is there, see there? So it's pretty cool. 
like you're, you're watching an event, but you have these glasses on and it happens while you're watching a sports event. So it could be the next generation of, of, of entertainment and edutainment as well. I'm, I'm definitely looking at it closely. It's why I'm beta testing all, all this stuff. It's like this guy made this on Final Cut. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. So so eventually you'll you know you'll go to sports events, right? Uh, you'll be there in real life at Yankee Stadium or something, uh, and you'll get to see replays on the field after it occurred. After like, let's say that um, Aaron Judge catches the ball over the you know puts his arm over the, over the wall and catches it in right field there. Uh, you'll get to see replay of that while you're wearing them in VR mode. It's gonna be cool. And and with with the metaverse also, um, you'll be able to rent Yankee Stadium or, or go there to watch. I don't know. Uh, Joe DiMaggio in his 56-game hitting streak back in the 1940s. You'll get to go relive that, and you'll be able to rent certain rooms, which is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be renting certain offices uh, for, 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 for VR purposes and augmented reality purposes in my metaverse later this year. Yeah. Okay, so we looked at Microsoft. This is fun. Uh, we, we checked out, it's got a fly in here, uh, Google uh, as well. Um, let's now go to um, Oculus, okay? And then uh, the the other big player in the market um, is is Sony, and Sony's got their their next iteration of the VR headset coming out, um, hopefully later this year, maybe next year. And they released the first iteration um, five years ago, uh, which I think is the best customer experience uh, when you're using these these VR these VR headsets. Um, I'll explain more of that in a second. Right. So Oculus Quest Two, uh, this came out in 2020. Uh, actually, Christina, I think we have the two. Sorry, I meant the the one. I thought we had the one. Yeah. Um, but but let's go here to, to, to videos. Yeah, so this is owned by um, it, this is owned by, by by Facebook. Facebook bought the company. I, I was on a panel with a founder years ago at Berkeley. Uh, nice dude. Um, but basically, if you want to see what it's like, um, just go and watch last week's webcast that we did um, with Spatial.io because it's like that. I and mean, this is all marketing mumbo jumbo, right? It looks cool on the outside. But it, it looks just like uh, Mark Zuckerberg's um, uh, presentation. So let me do that again. Let's go to uh, Meta, Facebook, Mark. It looks exactly like this. Here it is here, yeah. Um, and this is the, the shorter version of, of his presentation. Yeah, it has a two-hour version, yeah. So marketing, yub, yub, whatever. Get us in there, Mark. Yeah. So this is like a higher-end version of what it would look like. It certainly doesn't look like that right now, right? This, this here is all green screen-based. Uh, it, it looks more so like, like this. Okay, forget about the characters, but look in the background. Um, that's what it looks like. Uh, the, the metaverse uh, using Oculus, right? Uh, the, uh, the demonstration that, that, that Zuck had. Yeah, it's not real life yet. It will be eventually. And once we get there, it'll be awesome. And this there, you can see somebody teaching a yoga exercise, whatever it is. That's commensurate with the uh, what I was talking about when it comes to watching a game at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, so anyway. All right, uh, and then let's let's go now. Look uh, at um, let's check out a Sony. Okay, so Sony VR two, and these were probably just what people expect it to look like. So this is VR one they've got now. Uh, VR two is coming out soon, and, and people know that because Sony kind of soft announced it uh, through a patent. So when, when companies release patents, you know what's coming next, right? Um, they're giving away their corporate secrets. By, by filing patents. And it looks like if this is what it's going to look like, it looks much more like uh, the the uh, the Oculus as well as the Magic Leap product. Yeah. So anyway, I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about Metaverse. Excited about uh, Web 3.0.
I'm excited about NFTs and all that stuff. And we're going to incorporate that uh, into my MBA program. Again, I got my 3D printer coming today so I can actually start creating some of the props we use uh, as, as I teach in a more visual way. Okay. Okay. Uh, Zishan, how are you? Good to see you. Uh, Christina wrote, it's because of your amazing weekly office hours webcast that I start following you in August of 2020 that I signed up for the Platinum MBA degree program. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And and, and we, I think we talked earlier about your your journey down this path uh, on my platform. And you'd mentioned that um, you, you took the bundle uh, of courses. Uh, and, and because of that, actually, uh, that's 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 kind of what, what, what I'm what, how I've kind of set the strategy of the company. Uh, so I'll show you. If you go to private window here, and I'll show you why I'm doing this. So if you go to my website here, okay, um, and I'll explain why we we set up the 99 cent thing, right? So you, you stay here for five seconds or so, and, and a pop up comes after five seconds if it hasn't come up for you before, right here. Uh, and so I offer for 99 cents uh, a course. And the reason I do this is because I found that conversions are higher if people enter a credit card, right? Meaning conversion to buying more expensive products. So if you enroll in this six hour course here for 99 cents. Then what I do is I upsell and you can see it on the right here. And the e-commerce engine I'm using here is, is called teachable.com. Um, so I, I then upsell to a nine course bundle, right? So I don't know, 100, 200 hours of my lessons, whatever, for 49 bucks. And so right here, you enter in your credit card and then here uh, you say, yes, add this bundle. Um, there's a money back guarantee and all that stuff and it adds it here. If you don't do that, it's just a, a 99 cent charge for that, that one course. Yeah. Uh, but I did that because of, of um, uh, just consumer behavior and, and learning from you and, and a bunch of others that, you know, people saw my webcast and eventually they, they bought the bundle, um, uh, it, which was an upsell uh, and then a, a bigger upsell to my, my MBA program. But I'm, I'm glad you're a part of it, Christina. You, you, you inspire all of us. Uh, Peyton Kalahaya, who's in the United States Navy in surface warfare. He's a badass. He's one of our students, obviously. He called you our fearless leader. Uh, and thank you for everything you do. Okay, Christina wrote here, uh, happy early Valentine's Day, uh, February 14th, and happy early Lunar uh, New Year's Lantern Festival, uh, February 15th to you, your family, and our amazing Global MBA webcast family. That's right. Okay. Uh, and then, oh good, this is what I wanted to see here. There's something coming up with uh, Michelle. I, I was dying to see this. So Michelle uh, is, is responding to my, my Bruce Greenwald uh, story. Uh, so Michelle wrote, uh, uh, Greenwald is famous for shorting Amazon and being vocal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at, at last reunion, he finally stopped shorting Amazon. He's very passionate about his positions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, a very tiny part of me inside is saying good. Yeah. It's a Widowmaker, man, shorting Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, he's very passionate, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay, next up, uh, Sarah Smart. First time I've seen you on, on, on the call. I hope you join us again. So Sarah wrote, uh, hey, Chris um, and everybody. I work in cybersecurity in 12-hour shifts, days and nights. I hate long hours uh, and looking uh, to change. I want looking to change that as soon as possible. I had invested about $4,000 in an entrepreneurship program, which is a bad investment and false advertising. Uh, thank God it motivated me to work harder. Thank you, Chris, uh, for your great course. Uh, I'm benefiting and, and enjoying it. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm sorry about that, that, that bad investment, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Have you asked them for your money back? Even if it's past the, the money back guarantee period, um, just ask them for something. Yeah. You never know. They might say yes. Okay. Uh, Christina wrote, uh, Chris, I totally agree with you. Uh, many success uh, in my life too has been helping others, uh, people you know, and especially strangers, uh, people didn't even know. Yeah. Uh, and then you wrote, uh, I, I agree. Uh, I started since I was 15 years old. Some of the most rewarding memories of my life have been volunteering and doing philanthropic work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and Michelle, I remember when I was at Columbia, it was uh, Henry Kravis, you know, who the founder of KKR, one of the three founders. Um, he came and he guest lectured. And I was so excited about it. He went to Columbia Business School like we did. Um, he was a straight C student. Grades don't matter. But I, I sat like front and center when he came to present. And I was looking forward for him to talking about, you know, barbarians at the gate and, you know, all these, these amazing uh, private equity deals he did when he invented the private equity industry. And all he talked about for an hour and a half was, was charity. And I gained respect for him because of that. But he talked about not just giving money, more importantly, giving your time. And of course, he gave over 100 million bucks to our alma mater for that net, new building there. Uh, him and, um, and Art Sandberg, who... Um, I used to work for Art, and he was one of my investors. He just passed away. God bless Art. Yeah. Nicest guy. All right. Michelle wrote, uh, the upselling uh, during the break uh, at the Tony Robbins event was what I, I did not like about Tony Robbins seminar. Otherwise, it was life-changing. Yes. Totally with you. Completely with you. Uh, I'm surprised he does it. And, and maybe it's because he has other investors. or it, Actually, it might be this. It might He has a good heart. It might be because he has a massive staff, and he wants to pay them. That might be it, yeah. Okay, uh, except Christina wrote, uh, Chris, I love your daily uh, vlog trailer uh, with Matt and business lessons from successful restaurant entrepreneur Zayda Ayub, founder and CEO of Saj, yeah. And then you wrote, can't wait to watch the complete interview with uh, with, with, with Zaid uh, 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 when it's gonna be released on YouTube tomorrow at 9 a.m. Yeah, it should be fun. And Matt, Matt did a great job of it as well. And that's our first uh, interview like that. We did the whole thing in my, my kitchen here. Uh, which is kind of fun. Um, and our next one's going to be with an entrepreneur that used to work for Larry and Sergey directly at uh, at Google that started an AI company. Yeah. And eventually what we'll do is we'll start interviewing people like the CEO of Google, et cetera. And we'll go, and I can call in these favors. We're, we'll go down to Silicon Valley here, half hour south, and we'll not only do an interview in person, you know, post-COVID, and we're getting there, uh, but I'll also give you a tour of their headquarters like MTV Crips. 80s style. Uh, and then Fred wrote a big sell-off today in, in the stock market. Yeah, it's concerns about inflation. That's the, the concern du jour and to a lesser extent maybe uh, with respect to Ukraine and, and saber-rattling with, with Putin. Yeah. Okay. Oh, this is the, okay. The customer journey for Christina. Always interesting. Thank you. You wrote, um, I watched a webcast you mentioned earlier um, in, in the summer 2020. <laughs> In the summer 2020, this weekly webcast. Uh, and then what you did was you you signed up uh, with your email for the free networking book on my website. Then I purchased your nine course bundle offer on, on the bottom of your web uh, website. Um, and then you wrote, then I started following you on your weekly webcast um, and, and loved your epic open house 12 hour uh, session. Yeah, no, that was, it. thank you. Yeah, I remember that. That was long. I, I did one that was that length as well on, on October 31st, 2019. Yeah, I remember that. 
craziness. Yeah, but it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, but I got rid of a chair in my office because a year and a half ago, whatever it was, somebody said I sounded tired. I was like, all right, man, I got to up my game here. So no, no chair in here. Yeah. I actually don't sit at, at all during the day. The only time I, I sit, Christina, uh, is, is at night uh, when I'm, I'm having dinner, kind of chilling out uh, in front of the TV with my Alienware Area 51 laptop, and I'm playing Age of Empires Part 4. And I've logged 600 hours on it since it came out uh, in October of last year. Yeah. I leave it on sometimes as well just to get more gold and other things that I'm mining in the game. Yeah. Okay. But let me show you. Yeah, let me show you my, my current game. Uh, it, it, this is this. I find it's therapeutic playing video games. Like some people might go for therapy and stuff, and that's cool. But for me, it's just playing video games. So, let's see. Uh, video game, Airborne. It's up in the sky. Let's see if I can remember this here. No, it's not that. Airborne Kingdom. Here it is. Here. Yeah. So this is the game I'm playing now. I, I actually finished it uh, last night. It's called Airborne Kingdom. And what you do in this game, it, it, it's like SimCity kind of, which I love, but you're building uh, this um, this massive ship in the sky and you have to mine resources uh, from the ground, like, like water, cotton, uh, wood from the trees you can see down there, coal, etc. And you grow your ship as well. It's kind of fun. And I just lost a ton of people mentioning that. So I told you, you get, you get real-time feedback in these calls. Yeah. That's right. I'm going to wrap it up soon anyway. Okay. Uh, and Alexandra uh, wrote, uh, you're the best man. Greetings from Canada. How are you? How are you? Um, I'm, Canada's big in my heart right now. And there's a, a, a very famous politician. And, and I sent her a message. Uh, and, and you got to check out her. Uh, you you got to check out this speech she gave uh, in the House of Commons, dude. It's unbelievable. So she's from uh, Manitoba. Um, and she went to undergrad with in my school. Actually, she's only 31. Uh, I sent her a message because I want to interview her. Uh, and, and so um, her, her name is Raquel uh, Dancho. Um, so do a search on Raquel Dancho, D-A-N-C-H-O. She gave this the most incredible speech by a Canadian politician I've ever seen uh, in the House of Commons. She did it a couple of days ago. Uh, she's a, a member of parliament from uh, Manitoba. She's 31 years old. She graduated McGill in like 2012. Unbelievable. Um, conservative. She's, she's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I just let you know my political preference. Okay. All right. Um, great, great to see you, Alexander. Uh, next up, uh, Rose wrote uh, to Sayers' comments from earlier. How do these business gurus determine what to charge? Because I've seen many of them uh, charge more money for a course or a conference than a Michael Jackson uh, concert ticket. Yeah, my dad took me to a Michael Jackson concert, the Victory Tour, back in um, early '80s, I think, when I was like ten. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't like sometimes like we think about that, like uh, in terms of raising our prices, like, uh, you know, I, I my marketing dude uh, said, Chris, I don't get what you charge 999 per, per course. I was like, well, make it accessible to everybody. Right. Well, we can charge more. I don't want to, I don't know if I'm going to go down that path. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it, it depends what your marketing budget is too. Um, so, so for me, if, uh, if you can get silver for a thousand bucks or nine, 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 I don't mind spending $300 in YouTube advertising to get a single customer. 
right? So the, the gross profits would be 700 bucks. Um, if you charge a massive amount like that, you can advertise even more, right? Usually the higher price of the product, the more you advertise. Like to buy a car, you know, usually you have to see 10 or 20 ads before you actually pull, pull the trigger and buy the car. Yeah. But if you have a lower pricing point, you don't tend to advertise as, as much. Yeah. And we've spent nothing this year on advertising and business is actually the, the best it's ever been. I've changed a bunch of things around. Okay. All right. All right. Christina wrote, uh, then uh, you then purchased the MBA Platinum program, uh, class of 2020, 21. Life has never been the same again. Love my amazing global MBA family. Likewise, likewise. My students inspire me so much. Uh, and you end up learning more from each other than you do the teacher. Like we have such an incredible global MBA family and I love it. And I'm so proud to be a part of it. We're just getting started and we're going to metaverse the crap out of this. And I'm going to be adding a lot of new stuff this year. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next up, uh, Eric wrote, post-COVID, I don't think that the contagion issue will ever end. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think shaking hands will be a thing of the past uh, in, in many cultures. Um I think it'll be just, it'll become second nature that if somebody's not feeling well, they wear a mask. Kind of like we see in, in Japan. I, I love that. Um, I think more people will work remotely. Um, you know, if you think about it, the whole notion of, of driving in traffic for an hour or two per day, um, destroying the environment with pollution, to go into an office building and pay a lot for parking, it doesn't make any sense you know, if, if Zoom was created before office buildings, we wouldn't have office buildings or nearly as many of them. Yeah. Yeah. So the way that we live and work is going to fundamentally change. Uh, and, and there's something called the YOLO economy, which the younger generation refers to. YOLO stands for you only live once. Um, and so a lot of people are, are, are embracing YOLO and they want to work remotely as well. And by the way, I interviewed Linda Lazarus. Uh, if you guys remember this uh, last summer, uh, she's a an economist and a journalist from the, the Global Mail in Canada. And uh, she, she told me about YOLO during that interview. You can watch a replay on my webcast there. Uh, and her daughter uh, just just came forth in, uh, in, in a skating competition in the Olympics. Very, very proud of her and uh, is a proud Canadian. Yeah, yeah. Next time I interview her, I'll, I'll ask you, how do you raise an Olympic champion? All right, cool. Uh, and then Tim Thompson, hey Tim, uh, wrote, uh, hi Chris. Uh, so so when do you offer the MBA with, with calls uh, with you, et cetera? The current course uh, on the site is virtual learning. Yeah. So so what I do, uh, and, and I hit it on purpose because we're just, it's just, we're marketing silver now, not, not gold and platinum. Um, so the next program is going to start next year. It's a one-year program. Yeah. Uh, and it's too too late for anybody to join this, this year. I, I apologize. Uh, but we start uh, next year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'll start talking about it. We'll probably launch in uh, February of next year instead of January. Um, just because I don't want to have to do a marketing thing in December and then go on vacation and stuff. I kind of want to market in January, you know, New Year's resolution, join if you want or not, whatever. Um, so probably the next class will probably start Feb around February 1st, 2023. And that will be golden platinum. But what you can do is in the meantime, you can take silver if you want. And whatever amount you pay for that, uh, we'll get discounted uh, from uh, from gold and platinum if you ever want to go do that. And also, if you if you get silver now, you get front of the line access to join the next class. The next class can be a little bit smaller too. But I will be offering every year forever. 
and, and you're most welcome. Okay. Um, next up, Obsession 2024 uh, wrote, uh, up and coming generations will not be uh, easy with AI and all. Uh, they're, they're even today building homes uh, with 3D printers. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. I can't wait for my 3D printer to come. I'm going to put it right here on my desk. Although when I'm using, I won't be able to do my steps because it might kind of throw off the, the printer. Uh, but people don't realize how long it takes to print things. Like if I wanted to print like a badass mask or of a Iron Man mask, for example, let's pretend like this, it, it'll take like 48 hours with a fast uh, printer as well. Um, and also I didn't realize that you have to paint these things. I thought that all these printers had, had like a bunch of different plastic feeds of different colors. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to learning from it. I, I got the uh, the lowest end model for now. Uh, I'll play around with it. Just have fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. And what I might do with my, my son, so my kids are, are, are making a bunch of money on, on eBay selling stuff. Um, what I might do is I might tell them, listen, why don't you look in to see if you can print stuff and sell it on eBay? Like, I don't know what they can print out, but there's got to be something they can find to make it cost effective too, without violating copyright stuff. Okay. Uh, and then uh, Eric wrote, I hope we always shake hands. Germs help strengthen the immune systems. Yeah. It's interesting because I remember when I, years ago when my kids were really young, we let them play outside and stuff and we had other friends that were just germaphobes with their kids. And I remember having an argument saying, well, if you don't expose them to other stuff, they'll, they'll get sick more often. Yeah. And then TT, Tim Thompson wrote, awesome, Chris, legend. Thank you. Love you, man. Okay. Uh, and then Eric wrote, uh, I, I dream of building an off-grid community of 3D printed houses. It's funny you mentioned that, Eric, because uh, Christina Hong, who heads up uh, the alumni uh, community for, for, for my, my, my company, uh, she forwarded something to me about a year ago or something like that, maybe eight months ago, about printing 3D, 3D schools. So I'm sure this is going to lead to something next. My, my little tinkering and, and nerding out uh, with, uh, uh, with, with this. It's so interesting, though, because when people buy these, these 3D printers, what happens is they arrive and they realize there are certain parts that are missing or they want to augment their system. And so what they do is they download documents that will allow them to print little things to actually put into, into the side of the printer. Not like semiconductors, but plastic parts and stuff. So I, I, I can't wait. I'm, I'm going to nerd out. Yeah. But I invested in a company called Stratasys uh, back in 2003 when I worked at a big hedge fund. Years ago, I remember that. And they were a 3D printing company. I went to their website, of course, to see if I could buy one. They're way too expensive industrial. So I bought the cheapest of the cheap. Yeah, and I'll let you guys know how, how it goes. Um, again, what I'll be doing is I'll be printing off props uh, instead of actually buying them to use for courses. Yeah, and this is, again, from one of my programming courses coming out soon. Business program. All right. Cool. Okay, guys, so I'm going to wrap this up now. I want to thank you all for your time. Uh, this is a fun call. Uh, Christina just wrote, Chris, uh, you want your 3D printer to be placed in a, in a flat, stable, non-vibration space. Uh, it's uh, it's it's precision-based. Christian has his 3D printers. Oh, he's got multiple ones. Nice. On the floor. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, and then, uh, Christina, let me know. Does he paint his figurines and stuff he makes? Uh, or does he 3D print color? He probably paints, right? Like I was looking at the priming, the spray painting and everything. And I'm, 
It'll be fun for me. I used to love putting together models when I was a kid. Yeah. I'm going to be a kid again. I'm a 50-year-old man-child now, folks. Uh, Eric, uh, who wrote George Carlin, who's one of the funniest comedians ever. God bless him. Uh, George Carlin once joked that he and his friends went swimming in a pool filled with sewage. He said that strengthened uh, their immune systems at a time when polio was a big deal. <laughs> That's funny. I'm actually doing a Trevor Noah's um, uh, uh, autobiography right now. I'm listening on Amazon, and he talks about something like that. I want to ruin the surprise for you. His book is hysterical. Dude, that guy can tell a story. Trevor Noah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So um, it, it's worth, I, I'm enjoying every second of it, man. I listen to it when I, when I drive to the gym every day. Uh, it's called uh, Born a Crime, right? It's it's great. Or whom no one could afford this guy can tell a story. Like, listen to this book because you'll learn how to tell a story as well. He's brilliant. He's, he's very gifted. Very interesting guy, too. All right. Uh, and then Brian wrote, uh, Hey, Chris, just wanted to say hi and thanks. Uh, good to see you, Brian. How are you, Beth? Uh, I, I'm going through your Udemy crypto courses, uh, course, and I appreciate your super positive attitude. Uh, always smiling. Thanks. Thanks. And I'm so sorry about all the dad humor uh, in that course. It's brutal. Dude, in that course, uh, there's um, the Enigma. Okay. So, so that was, uh, I have a model of the Enigma, uh, which was the uh, uh, the code breaking machine that the British used to break uh, the Nazi codes, um, the Enigma. And that little plastic model, right? Because it was such a central part to that course. I paid 80 bucks for that on eBay. I shouldn't disclose that. Sorry. Uh, but but I go all out with my courses of props and everything, right? Uh, and the course is made, it's humbly a fortune, whatever. Six figures, it'll, it'll be seven, not too long. Uh, but but I, I, I actually bought that on eBay. So what I'm doing though is, and that's a little plastic model. So what I'm doing is uh, I'm actually getting the 3D printer so I can 3D print stuff like that as well, just props. So I can teach differently. So anyway, should be fun. Sorry for mentioning the dollar thing. Okay. That was the most Canadian comment ever by me. Okay. Uh, Eric, Eric wrote, you can build uh, mud houses uh, really cheaply, maybe for $1,000. Uh, you get some mud buildings, uh, and, oh, and some of these mud buildings are over 1,000 years old, um, uh, uh, and, and they're, uh, they're comfortable living. <laughs> Sorry. That's my alarm to wrap up the, the call here. I'm high on believing. Scare me, man. I also had a heart attack in my age here. Yeah. Yeah. Let me read this again and then we'll wrap it up. Um, okay. So uh, you can build mud houses cheaply for $1,000. And some mud buildings are over 1,000 years old um, uh, and they're comfortable to live in. Yeah. And, and it's so interesting because right now I'm actually up to the point in Trevor Noah's uh, uh, biography, which you guys got to listen to his autobiography. It's amazing. Listen, don't read it. Listen to an audible because he narrates it. He's genius. But he's talking about growing up in Soweto, uh, in in um, in South Africa, and how the government give, gave families uh, under apartheid, it's disgusting, but gave families uh, plots of land, and they had nothing. And what they would do is, as a family, they would they would build a little hut, and then each year they'd save up enough money uh, over a couple of years or so to be able to build one wall, and then the next year, maybe three or four years later, they'll slowly build another wall. And then another wall. And then eventually, after a couple generations, they have one room or two rooms. 
which is fascinating. And I, I also uh, downloaded Will Smith's book called Will, um, which is brilliant, by the way. And he narrates it. You got to listen to it. Uh, and he talked about how Will Smith's dad uh, made him and his son build a wall um, for for several years when they were kids. And there's great parenting lessons there as well. And I, I'll go there another day. I got to wrap this up. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, guys. Oh, Christina, I asked before about the 3D models that, that, that your husband, uh, Christian, uh, prints. Uh, and you wrote, yes, Chris, yes, he needs to paint them. And he has all different cover uh, filaments for different assets. Uh, and he 3D designs and prints them out and paints layers. I love it, dude. I'm about to jump into that market. Yeah, and I'll also print uh, Picasso. Remember that little Picasso figurine I had that I lost in, in the MBA program? Inside joke for the MBA people. Yeah, very cool. I can't wait. It, it actually just arrived over Amazon here today. Cool. All right, guys. Well, this, this was fun. This is fun. Uh, and it looks like we uh, we, we sent out the, uh, the emails, my fault, uh, to hardly any people today. Um, hence the lower number of viewers, but it's all good though. It's always fun. Uh, and for those of you in my, uh, that are my MBA students, we'll start the uh, MBA office hours in, in 20 minutes. Um, and I want to thank you all for your time. Um, check out the Zayd Ayub uh, Saj Mediterranean uh, interview, which is going to drop you uh, tomorrow at 9 a.m. my time. Um, subscribe to my log, uh, vlog, click like, subscribe, and all that great stuff. Um, have, a, have a happy weekend, a healthy weekend. Uh, God bless y'all. Uh, and I will see you next Thursday and every Thursday for the next 8 million years, starting at 8 a.m. Pacific time. Thank you. When you grow up, you tend to get told that the world is the way it is, and your, your life is just to live your life inside the world, try not to bash into the walls too much, uh, uh, try to have a nice family life, uh, have fun, save a little money, um, but life, that's a very limited life. Life can be much broader once you discover one simple fact, and that is everything around you that you call life was made up by people that were no smarter than you. And you can change it. You can influence it. You can, you can build your own things that other people can use. And the minute that you understand that you can poke life and actually something will, you know, if you push in, something will pop out the other side, that you can, you can change it, you can mold it, um, that's maybe the most important thing, is to shake off this, uh, th this uh, erroneous notion that life is, is there and you're just going to live in it, versus embrace it, change it, improve it, make your mark upon it. Um, I, I think that's very important. And however you learn that, once you learn it, uh, you'll want to change life and make it better because it's kind of messed up in a lot of ways. Um, once you learn that, you'll never be the same again. Well, that ends this week's podcast. I want to thank you very much for your time. If you want to download my latest book for free or get access to coupons on my courses or learn more about my MBA degree program and much more, please visit Haroon ventures.com. Again, that's haroonventures.com. Thanks again for listening in.